It's the Shane Lowry on Saturday at Portrush of Pods, the brave and faithful podcast with Joe Troy and Will O'Callaghan. You are very welcome along to the first edition of the Brave and Faithful podcast, which will be dropping to your podcast networks and to YouTube every Tuesday morning in the coming weeks. It's going to be a podcast focused on sport in the Faithful County, all sports in Offaly. We are particularly in the middle of GEA season, though semi-finals completed in the last week in Gaelic football, and we'll be looking at the Senior and Senior B semi-finals in the weekend just gone. We'll also be looking forward to the hurling semi-finals, two very interesting games in the Senior, particularly this Saturday and Sunday. Belmont trying to get through to the final. They're for band players after the disappointment of the weekend just gone. We'll be looking to try and qualify for the final. While it's a repeat of last year's decider in the second semi-final here at Bordenamona O'Connor Park this coming Sunday when Burr will take on St. Rhinus. The game between Belmont and Kilcormac on the Saturday will be at St. Brendan's Park in Burr. We will also be taking a look forward to the Camogie final which is in Rath this weekend. It is a repeat of last year's decider there too with last year's All-Ireland Club intermediate finalists St. Rhinus going up there against their great rivals Shinron. We'll be hearing from Murray Daly and also from Gronya Egan ahead of that fixture and Amory Guinan will be giving her expert opinion, the Offaly defender and the current captain of Lusma Drumcullen and what's going to happen in Rath this weekend. And we'll be looking back on the ladies football final here in the Faithful County too where Nave Kiron made a piece of history at the weekend the first team ever to complete a six in a row and Amy Gavin Mangan will be telling us why they're not looking to stop there. They want to try and win their first ever Leinster senior this season when they take on the Leash champions in the semi-finals in Forban in two weeks time. So all that to look forward to. We're also going to be looking back on the life of the great Pat Smullen who passed away at the tender age of 43 uh, last week after a two-year battle with pancreatic cancer. A man who has left a huge legacy particularly with the amount of money that he raised for cancer research and cancer trials Ireland in the past 18 months or so. And we'll have a chat about Shane Lowry too as he comes off the back of his second major of this very strange and elongated season uh, where he finished just inside the top 40 at the US Open at the weekend and he now looks to try and win his second Irish Open title in Northern Ireland this coming week. Joining me is co-host on the podcast it's Joe Troy. Joe how are things? Good Will and yes since the inception of this podcast it will be a thing we look to change and grow. Uh, we welcome all your feedback be it ideas, uh, be it guests or who we may speak to because as Will has just said when the sporting season ends we will of course be doing nostalgia pieces, feature interviews uh, right across from golf the GA, uh, soccer, hurling, camogie, whatever sport you want to talk about, we're there. Whatever guest you'd like to see, we're here to listen. It's your podcast as much as ours. And certainly, Will, we're looking forward to what the season's going to bring. Yeah, probably the moment we give the social media handles on this one. If you look for Brave and Faithful Podcasts, you'll easily find everything. But uh, Twitter will probably be our first uh, point of call, which is at Faithful Pod. And if you uh, check out Brave and Faithful in Facebook, you'll find the page there. Uh, we're also going to be on SoundCloud and on YouTube and all of your platforming platforms, wherever you want to get your podcast from over the next while. Joe, I guess maybe to give people a bit of an idea here, the reason that we're doing this, I guess during lockdown, you and I would have had a few conversations where we're thinking we'd love to do a bit of long form, maybe some longer interviews, longer discussions about sport in Offaly. And that's really the genesis of why we're doing this podcast. Yeah, and look, it was something I suppose we had spoken about is what way we go and engage with people. Um, there's a lot of stories out there people are willing to tell. There's a lot of stuff we wanted to touch on. And I suppose combining our knowledge and our years of experience with the contact list we have with guests uh, will make it what's going to be fun and interesting. I suppose 
in our sporting roles in terms of broadcast and interviews, we have a wide range of access to facilitating games. But it's the discussion and the conversations outside of those games is what we're probably aiming at. That. Um, there's some very interesting stories, both past, present and future we've to cover. There's some exciting guests we want to line up. We want to bring some humour, some novelty and you know a lot of experience to it. So I think there's no scope for what we can achieve with it, uh, who we can target. Um, we're delighted with the guests we have that have already given us their time lining up. And as we said, it's sure to be a very revealing um, campaign as we go on. Yeah, I uh, have to say, remarkable the amount of people abroad who've been in contact already mm. uh, who say they're trying to get their fix of sport in Offaly and trying to stay in touch with home. And maybe this is a way for us to be able to do that as well. So every week we will have a new podcast. So by all means, subscribe, bookmark, do whatever you have to do to make sure uh, that you get this podcast into your feed each week. Uh, we would love if you could like and share and also follow on our pages and leave us a review, particularly on podcasting formats. It will help the show to grow over the next while. Uh, delighted to say we're joined by Brian Gavin too. Uh, Brian, how are things? Uh, very well, lads, and great idea. Fair play to both of you, and I hope it uh, works out well for you. And I think there is a huge interest already, even looking at Twitter comments last night. So the best of luck to you, lads, and I hope it says fine for you, as one would say. We'll be moving all around the county uh, for these uh, video podcasts that we'll be doing along the way. We picked Borden Mono O'Connor Park because of the drama that we saw last weekend. We'll talk about all that in a few moments. The first ever penalty shootout uh, just behind where we are now, where Jim Kelly is cutting the grass uh, to get ready for the six games that are here this coming weekend. Um, but we might start with Pat Smullen, which is kind of a sober note read to start on, Brian. But a lot of people were touched by last Tuesday evening when the news was breaking about Pat. And I was talking to a few people uh, from road who were getting ready to train for the weekend because I'd heard through some journalist friends and particularly the Racing Post were about to push that they got the news from Pat's family that he'd passed away. He had been low for a few months. Uh, unfortunately, the side of this uh, pancreatic cancer is we were all celebrating when he got the all clear just over a year ago. And then we had the cancer trials race and all the jubilation around that. He won the Cartier Award because of the two and a half million that was raised in his name around that weekend at the Curra. But then unfortunately a relapse happened and pancreatic cancer is a particularly mean cancer and it's one that can be aggressive and that can come back. And just very sad news that Pat passed away as quickly as he did after the relapse because I think we were all hopeful that he was going to get a few more years with Francis's wife and with his very young family too. Yeah, it's a devastating blow for the people of Offaly because anyone that knows Pat Smullen knows how hard of a worker and a grafter he was. And I'd have a fair interest in horse racing and he'd be definitely one of my idols going up, you know, and you'd be going to Galway and it's one of the greatest festivals ever. And both him and Dermot well targeted Galway. And, you know, any punter that was going to Galway in the last 20 years uh, would depend on Pat Smullen and Dermot well to give the bookies a bit of a scutcheon and uh, fill their pockets for the week and try and last as many days as you can in Galway. He, he was a very, very hard grafter, as I said, worked tremendously hard with Dermot well. Was very uh, loyal to both uh, my Lear Stud and uh, Aggie Khan but a huge loss to his wife Francis and his three young children. Uh, I happened to be passing the house the other day and just to see the cars there and the amount of people and the respect that Pat Smullen had and it was all because of hard work and you know it touched on the memory for me too that uh, one of our men John Buckley who had diagnosed one man that he did ring for advice when he got cancer was Pat Smullen and Pat gave him great advice to battle it hard and stay strong Unfortunately, we lost John Buckley just before Christmas, and now we've lost Pat Smullen. But Pat was a huge, huge ambassador for Offaly. Probably one of our greatest sports people ever in Offaly, and uh, just an awful loss. And I think, Brian, one of the things that summed up the measure of Pat was when you see the fellow professionals, and RT did a lovely tribute piece, and both the jockeys and the owner speaking about how much advice he gives. You know, he wasn't one to show, but he was a family man. He worked hard every year he was in it as a jockey from young fella up. The ultimate professional seems to be coming out, you know, that, that Pat got to where he was through work. And even 
it's just the nice guy off the field. You know, we're here the other week uh, with Road playing in the county semi-final and the minute silence was impeccably deserved because, you know, Road GA was a huge, huge love of Pats as well. Like Shane Lowry in the golf, these are international sports stars, but they come back to their club and give so much. And I think there was genuine emotion here uh, with a few in attendance in terms of how well-renowned Pat was got in his own village. Yeah, well, e each town, lucky enough, every so often has a sports personality that comes along. We in Clara are lucky to have Shane Lowry Road are very steep to had Pat Smullen. But to look at Twitter last uh, Tuesday night and see the comments was uh, like to be tears in your eyes actually reading down through the comments about Pat Smullen and young Andy Slattery, for example, who he gave advice to one of the upcoming yeah. jockeys as well, you know, paid a fine tribute to it. And even you see racing in Australia over the weekend, you know, leaving messages and well wishes for Pat Smullen and even on the race card, you know, thanking Pat Smullen for the years of service and the ambassador he was for racing. And, you know, one would feel even for himself, he was a little bit and we all get caught up in bubbles and he touched on it himself like you get when you're in in sport or in a high level of anything you get nearly distracted with your own importance and he mentioned that that's how genuine it was when he got cancer that he could go back and have that time with his family them couple of years that probably he didn't have because he was so professional and so determined to get to the top of his game but uh, it, it's a very very sad day for the, everyone in road in particular and uh, and his family indeed but I thought he was definitely one of the greatest people I've ever seen in a professional sport, and uh, that's the tribute we can pay to him here this evening. Yeah, like, I mean, huge achievements uh, for Pat Smullen. Six, a nine-time champion jockey, 2016, probably the apex of his career, with Harzand winning the Irish Derby on either side of the Irish Sea. But a litany of classic winners along the way. A tremendous record, as Brian mentioned, not just at Galway, and he had a great record at Dundalk, when you consider the far less glamorous tracks that you might go to on a Friday night, but also Pat Smullen was a darling of Royal Ascot. And one of the things that I found, Brian, that was very tricky about all this when he picked up the uh, first cancer diagnosis in March or April of 2018, was that Pat was coming off the back of some of the best form of his career. 2015 and 16 have been two of the best years in terms of Group 1 success. This was a guy who had just turned 40, really, and was at the very top of his game. Yeah, well, you see Frankie de Tori now, who's close to 50, if not 50, and he's still riding on the crest of a wave. One would imagine Pat Smullen had at least another seven or eight year at the top of his game. As you said, he was hitting the highlight. Uh, you'd have to admire the man for how loyal he was to Dermot Well. I'm sure there would have been conversations with Aidan O'Brien, I'd say. With family plan. connections especially, yeah, Brian, it would have been a very easy move at different times. I'd say particularly when you know Dunica was deciding to go in a different direction. Mm -hmm. And there had to be various different points where I'm sure that conversation probably happened at a Christmas dinner or maybe around Stephen's time when the families got together. Yeah, I'm sure in, in years to come we will probably will find out, but it just showed that Dermot Weld gave him his big chance and he stood very loyal to Dermot Weld and, you know, he, he was freelancing as well with other trainers and he had very good records with other trainers as well, but when he got on the saddle, you know, he was trying. And, you know, if a trainer rang him and his agent, Kevin O'Ryan, the horse would be trying, no matter what Pat Smullen was riding. He didn't want to ride a horse that was out for a gallop or out the back just to get the handicap mark down around. When, when Pat Smullen and Kevin O'Ryan had say, got them phone calls, it was like A.P. Mackay. He was driven to do his best and try and achieve the best. And that was the testament to the man that he was. Yeah, I think a big part of it as well, Joe, people remember what happened off the track with Pat Smullen. Racing people and people who were interested in the horse racing would have known about Pat and his tremendous record and his great drive to succeed. But a lot of people probably got to know him through the fundraising efforts that happened over the last couple of years, where people maybe saw the human side of a man that I've known for about 10 years and was always just a soft-spoken gentleman. Uh, that came across, and you see all the jockeys that came back 
in September of 2019 to ride in that cancer trials day at the Curra, which is more of a celebration rather than a sad day, really. But the fact that they were willing to do that and the fact that people were willing to, to put their hand in their pocket and hand over over two million towards cancer research is probably the greatest mark of Pat Mullen that goes way beyond his record on the track. Yeah, and it's something, it, kind of something maybe that irks me, and I suppose I get yourself and Brian's feeling on it as well, is we don't maybe tell people enough when they're alive what they mean to those around them and what they've done. And, you rightly said it was a celebration that day because you see that tribute on Twitter the other day of how emotional he was with AP McKay winning the race that AP McKay swore he'd never ride again came down tried his all to win that race even though it was essentially a novelty race but the money the emotion in Pat uh, for what he had done for the cancer trials was huge. You could see it in him. Do you know he was he was shook, but he was strong. Do you know he had obviously at that stage he was deep into his treatment. He was thought he was getting over the worst of it. You could see the emotion in his face, what it meant to him, what it meant to his family. And I think it's something particularly in sport because you know sports stars are so well connected with the general public from an exterior that maybe we don't actually tell these people how much they're impressing on our lives while they're alive and it's probably a, a, a big thing for Pat and his family they can the family can now look back and say he's done this he's got his appreciation people will always remember him people got to see the human side of him because as Brian said they're living in a bubble you know you can talk about all the top sportsmen be it jockeys be it boxers be it golfers unless you're in and involved with them you only see the exterior there's a human side there there's a human story and much like we'll speak about later on Shane Lowry in the golf when the documentary came back after him winning the open and it showed Brendan in the kitchen having to get up and, and, and cry because that's his son out there. He knows, like Shane's close friends, what he's gone through. And I think for Pat to see that and see what he gave people and along with the fantastic money that was raised, gave him a fitting tribute, unfortunately, before his timely end. But, you know, fantastic to see. And the legacy lives on. And nowadays with social media and all these platforms we have, it's great to be able to look back. And it'll be great for his kids in time to be able to see their father at his best. Yeah. Dermot Wells, I said, refused to bend. Name one of the famous horses that Pat Smullen won on. I said that that was really the uh, feeling about Pat Smullen over the last couple of years. Uh, we'll just take a very short video here. This is a tribute that was put up before the Cartier Awards earlier this year, where a lot of Pat's uh, fellow jockeys were paying tribute. And maybe it's just a mark of the respect with which Pat Smullen was held in. One of the nurses at the hospital said to me, you should do something about raising awareness of pancreatic cancer. Everybody put their heads together and we came up with what we came up with. It's not for me to be AP or Paul or, or Charlie or to have one more ride. It's for pancreatic cancer, it's for the research. But for me, it's for Pat Smullen. To guess that lineup of jockeys, nobody said no. They all just said yes straight away. It's something that I feel very proud to be involved in and I think Pat should be very proud to have organised it all and hopefully we'll make it a success for him. AP Mackay swore he'd never ride again, came back for Pat Smullen. That was a special weekend. It was a miserable day weather-wise, but 10,000 or more people turned out for that day. I don't think we will ever see an atmosphere at the Curra ever again like that. They came to say thank you for a wonderful career that he'd had in the saddle. To see the competitive juices starting to flow within the mall again was something uh, quite amazing. It was actually quite amusing to watch. I've never seen it before, to be honest, that they were running from the stands to get down to the paddock to see him come back into the winner's enclosure. And that was something very, very special. It was a great spectacle.
It was so well attended, it was such a feel. Would have been good just to beat him one more time. We're after raising an enormous amount of money that will make a huge difference going forward and uh, and it gives people confidence to keep going forward as it does to me and uh, but what a privilege to be involved in what a great industry. I've been involved in the past for trying to raise money and you raise 20, 30,000 and you think you've done something fantastic and then you see somebody whose story encourages people to contribute into millions. It was a testimony to what people thought of Pat Smullen and the way that he's prepared to take on and fight against cancer. There is nobody more deserving of the award than Pat Smullen this year. He's been nine times champion jockey riding for me. His work ethic has been huge and his total involvement here has been very much appreciated. He gave it all in every way and that's the way he is as, as a human being. So I owe Pat Smullen a lot. He set me up in business, we became great friends and even got me a wife out of it. If you got a young jockey in and you said, just be like Pat Smullen. You wouldn't have to tell them anything else. What more can you ask for somebody uh, to be the, the, the one that everybody should aspire to be like? <laughs> He's the professional's professional. I'd like to think that throughout the 25 years that I was a jockey that I conducted myself in a, in a proper manner and, uh, and I think that's, uh, that's something to be proud of. So that was a tribute to the late Pat Smullen, and may he rest in peace, a remarkable legacy that he's left both on and off the track. Pat Smullen was remembered, Joe Troy, here in Borden Mono O'Connor Park on Saturday evening, ahead of that game between Road and Edenderry. Very emotional scenes uh, before the match. Road took a long time to get going properly in that game. Uh, Edenderry, uh, from watching bits and pieces, I saw the second half and I saw extra time, Edenderry maybe might feel they left a the game behind them. Oh, definitely. And, you know, I was joined uh, by John Martin, the Offaly manager. And, like, first credit to John Martin, the interest he has in, in the job because he drove from Castlebar Friday, drove back Friday night, drove up here Saturday. He got in senior B games. He got in uh, intermediate games. He got in all the football action, drove back Saturday night and up again Sunday. So he's really putting in the hours and time. But he would have said quite openly in the commentary, uh, both on Midlands 103 and also the Offaly GATV, that he said, look, we're huge favourites here. He said, anything other than a road win would be a huge shock. While he said that Eden Derry are a young, exciting team, road had to dig deep. And it's not one of those victories where you knew down the home straight road were going to just kick on and coast three, four, five points clear as they've done so often in the past. Eden Derry, I thought they, I thought they had stolen it at the debt. They had a dirt of wides in the first half, maybe five or six probably just not settling into the game, maybe kicking kind of spectacular efforts at goal that weren't going over. Um, do you know, and then Keane Farrell got a grip on the game. Road were getting easier scores. They kicked in some brilliant diagonal ball, isolated Niall Mack inside, hand up, called the mark straight away. And it was the experience of Road telling early in the game, but Eden Derry started to come back. Um, they were attacking at will. We did say the first goal would probably win the game. Now, that didn't come too deep in extra time, but just when Eden Derry uh, got a score up here through Keane Farrell, 
John Mahan looked at me and kind of more or less said, Eden Derry have it. Road had a chance, a free 45 metres out into the fourth minute of additional time, and Niall Darby just uncharacteristically just barely grazed the post and went wide. I thought that was it. Jordan Hayes had a fantastic catch here for Eden Derry, and with that, we thought the final whistle was blown, but the referee had a lot of the time ball was turned over, Road had one more chances, uh, Conor McNamee got it in as far as Rory McNamee and falling on his back under pressure, kicked the ball, it seemed to hang in the air for about 10 seconds and eventually dropped over the crossbar and with that went the final whistle. The telling point is probably Alan McNamee's introduction, you know the record holder as we said for the Offaly Senior Football Championship wins, he steadied the ship, he put in some tackles around the field, he was a calm and influence and he played a superb ball into Niall, I'd say only Niall was expecting the quality of the ball that was coming in, look they're doing it all their lives together literally and once Niall got inside that 14 the ball was only going into one spot and it nestled in the back of the net and with that it broke even Derry hearts but like Brian, look, he's watching a lot of football. The Offaly Senior Football Championship has been incredibly, incredibly competitive. And like I know Brian's own club will probably touch on that in a minute. Went down last night. Bracknell have showed that they've adapted to this game really well. They could have taken Eden Derry here. They could probably should have taken Shamrocks in the first round. And you're talking about a team in a relegation final could easily be in a semi-final Brian next year. Yeah, I'd have to say, like, when you have a team dominant in the group, like probably Road War in our group, uh, the other three teams then, it's it's, it's a titanic struggle. And, you know, Cap and Curr beat Tullamore in round one, then we beat Cap and Curr, and going into round two, we were probably the two points ahead on average. But Tullamore, we didn't take our scores against Tullamore early, and we pushed up then and tried to catch Tullamore, and then the scoring average went against us. Road banged in a few goals again, Cap and Curr late, and that put Cap and Curr, who were probably the unlucky team in that group, not to qualify for a semi final. And you can see the difference it makes. Tullamore qualified, and they turned over the county champions at the weekend. I'll tell you what, it was a nightmare for me on Midlands 103 at the time because I had a table which I had written out, and I had a scrap piece of paper beside it. And at different times, before Road started to pull away a little bit in that game against Cap and Curr, there was only two and three points in the point difference either side on it. And I was thinking, if Clara slightly come back into this next thing we have to change everything around again but Tullamore just about come through we'll talk about Tullamore maybe in more great detail in a moment but Brian that's road now going for a 30th title they're into nine consecutive finals okay they've had to maybe come through a hard game and win a little bit ugly uh, but there's something about road and I thought when Rory McNamee was taking that shot even when he was falling backwards I just got a feeling they were going to get a chance to equalise yeah, road like are just phenomenal in fairness because they just keep going to the well every year and uh, they keep getting results and and, and f- like for them last year they were going into the final they were, had a good few injuries and it, it did cost them and Forban took full advantage and even without missing a few players last year they led Forban by five points at one stage until Keane Johnson got that goal and Forban took over and you know Road were very you know uh, sort of angry over last year and probably to a certain point maybe correct but they were gunning for Forban this year, I think, and uh, they'll be a little bit worried now about Tullamore, and we'll touch on that final now in a few minutes, but Roder just keep going to the well and they keep producing the goods, and look, you'd have to admire them. While every team is out there trying to be Road and aspire to be Road, uh, they have to be admired the way they keep uh, coming back year after year and the condition they're in, you know, and I suppose on a plus side, and, and not just... They haven't the dual status that a lot of clubs have. Uh, they just concentrate on football. Tullamore, Clara, Shamrocks, Forban, all have the jewels, And it is catching players now, whether we like it or not in this stage. Uh, you take Forban, Belmont, take ourselves, take Shamrocks, Tullamore, all in semi-finals or even going late in their championship. And it does take a toll on the dual player. But uh, Road and Tullamore will be a fascinating final in two weeks' time. Mm. Joe, as I mentioned, you were here watching the game, commentating on it. 
and we look at Eden Derry maybe feeling that they've left one a little bit behind here. But also in terms of Eden Derry, a lot of promise because even you look at the way Keen Farrell has performed, you've done a couple of their games this year for uh, Offaly GA TV. He is just an absolutely outstanding talent. Oh, he was wonderful. And like I could see John Mohan kind of just grinning you know, bes- beside me because he knows the talent um, that's there in Offaly football coming through from the underage structures. Like he had a nasty injury after, after the Sigerson campaign last year. It probably tore him a bit, but maybe it gave him a chance to maybe physically develop a bit more, to maybe think about the game and not just be parachuted straight into it. Because players can struggle going straight into a senior inter-county setup. but the two Keens to be mentioned so often, to have those over the next 10 to 12 years in Offaly is going to be an exciting time because he put his mark all over that game. I'd say he was devastated because he literally led his team from the front. He caught spectacular ball. And it's, it's not that Eden Derry are coming to the end of their career like say a lot of the road players are, that they know they might have left it behind, but they're going to have plenty more chances, like for Ban. And I suppose the one thing I'd ask Brian, like we say, with your county board hat on, it's a dream scenario the way the championships are running because one time when we had maybe 12 teams in, in the senior football and senior hurling, there was a lot of lopsided fixtures. And I think right from, you can nearly say the intermediate creed in both codes up, um, there's a huge amount of competition there. Do you know the senior football listened? Yeah, it'll be Roden for Ban and everyone else will play a catch up. Yeah. Everyone realistically on the last day had a chance to qualify and as we, we spoke about Bracknett, we spoke about Clara unfortunately going down but it is a dream scenario for fixtures committee at the minute that the punters are getting such quality games. Yeah and, and the one pity I suppose uh, with the quality of championship we have as in entertainment is that the COVID has came and we have maybe bigger crowds because it would be ferocious atmosphere at some of them games and that's the only pity but as we said any team could have qualified on the last day, it went down to the wire. Uh, that's why I said when you for man who were going to top their group and road, it was really a dogfight then for second. And you were hoping then, if you weren't second, you were third. And the last thing you were hoping for was to be fourth. Because semi-finals and relegation finals take on a whole new meaning in life. And we saw that at the weekend, like people would have nearly put their shirts on road to beat Eden Derry. It, it could have gone the other way. And a lot of people fancied for Ban to beat Tullamore. And it went, you know, Tullamore's way. And a lot of people probably would have fancied Clara to beat Brackney yesterday. Uh, and that didn't go that way either. So, you know, when there's pressure comes on teams, games take a new meaning in life. In the group stage, a little bit of leeway. But semi-finals, finals, anything can happen. And uh, it's a great championship so far. And just final point maybe in Eden Derry, both Lee Pearson and... Uh, can't think of that. Rory Egan. Rory, They're two yeah. fine footballers Brilliant. coming. I saw them at minor for Offaly. You know, Offaly, and there was Jack O'Brien here for Dora the other day. Like, Offaly have a nice sprinkle of players yeah. coming, and I think John Mahan and his team will, you know, in fairness to them, they're here looking at them all, and uh, their panel will be strengthened in the coming year. And even Will, you lad, we met up in uh, in the Bridge House Hotel doing the Player of the Year Awards at the year before last, and even though Tullamore won the minor championship, the award had to go for O'Regan. He's shown so much promise. And for a youngster to go in at number six and be driving the team, like he's physical, he's very strong, he's a willing runner. Like he, he got a, gr- a brilliant score here um, the first day against Shamrocks to win the game. Um, he's, he's getting goals from centre back. And, you know, I think there's quite, uh, look, we've been down in the county in hurling and football in terms of the negativity for a lot of years. But particularly with the footballers, I think there's a lot of top quality, exciting talent coming through. Yeah, the Rolls Royce of a footballer. Uh, we'll hear now from one of the road camp Anton Sullivan and I'm sure given it was the online report headline it's probably going to be the sub headline on Kevin Corrigan's uh, piece on the game from last Saturday when the Midland Tribune is published this coming Wednesday it was road getting out of jail and I started when I spoke to Anton earlier about asking him whether there was a feeling in the road camp that they indeed got out of jail against Eden Derry. 
Uh, definitely, well, yeah, we, we were very lucky. Um, Eden Derry were, were extremely good, very, very good team, young team, um, to put us to the pin of the collar. And uh, I suppose we were very lucky to get uh, an equaliser in, in the dying seconds of, of normal time to bring it to extra time. Um, I suppose maybe going into extra time, we felt we had a, a bit of fitness and experience and, and Eaton Derry had thrown everything at us and, and probably would have felt that they left it behind the normal time. So I suppose just based on that, with the experience in extra time, I, I felt that we could push on and get the win and, and thankfully we did. But uh, yeah, very lucky. If I was an Eaton Derry player now, I'd be very disappointed. I feel that we, we should be in the county final. Rory McNamee, huge moment from, as you mentioned, that equaliser. He takes on the shot. I think it was ticking into the fourth minute of injury time. It was a do-or-die moment. The chance, you know, pops up for him, and he takes it with both hands. A fantastic score from to send that epic game into extra time. Yeah, brilliant score by Rory. And thank, thank God he scored it, because I was actually after missing one about uh, 30 or 40 seconds earlier. So... Uh, my head was on the line, I'd say. So, uh, no, no, thankfully, um, he, he got the shot off. Uh, great composure. Uh, Rory's a top player, so he, he always has that in his locker every day of the week. So, thankfully, he went over and he brought it to extra time. I was watching extra time on Offaly GA TV, and you had the wind in the first half. So, I, I assume from that point of view, you wanted to run up a little bit of a score. Niall McNamee gets a goal, which proves crucial in the end. But there was good scores from himself and from yourself just before that. Obviously, you went out and really targeted that first half of extra time. Yeah, we did target it. We, we thought if we could get the, 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 the scores on the board early, that the Eaton Derry heads might drop, you know, they, they might feel that they've left it behind. But in fairness to Eaton Derry, they come out to point up in extra time at the start of extra time. You know, we got the goal uh, really kind of against the run of play. It was kind of nip and tuck throughout the whole game. And then the goal came, and, and that gave us a bit of a cushion uh, and a bit of security. And we kind of sat back a bit and, and Got, got to grips with the game and, and a bit, uh, calm heads, I suppose, in the ball and, and, and we got a few scores either and, and we pushed on, thank God. I assume when it comes to semi-finals like this too, they take on a bit of life of their own because so many of you would have went to school in Edenderry, you went to St. Mary's, these are neighbours of yours, these are friends of yours that you're going up against and you're talking about a proper local rivalry here between Road and Edenderry. Yeah, of course. And, and the semi-finals are, are not easy one, Will. Uh, it's just about getting the job uh, getting the job done and getting into the final. Um, like, Growing up, like we played against them lads, we played with them, uh, we, we have a few drinks together, we, we go out together, you know, uh, we're, we're a very close-knit group. Um, so it, it was, it's always hard to play in the local derby because kind of form and everything goes out the window. It's, it's just all on, on the day and who come, who turns up the better team, you know. Um, but certainly Eaton Derry threw everything at us. Um, they were a very good young team, they were well organised, they were very patient on the ball. I was certainly very impressed with them because we had watched them leading up to the game and, and they have some very, very decent footballers. Um, but what impressed me about them most well, about them was that they never panicked. You know, as, as the game went on, they grew in confidence and uh, the composure on the ball was something that really struck me. They were very, very good. They held the ball at, at stages for three or four minutes and, and we couldn't get it back off them, you know. Um, so certainly a big future ahead for a lot of them players in, in, in the red jersey. And not to put any pressure on him, but he's in on the county panel, which you're currently in Keane Farrell. We saw how good he was at third level earlier this year with IT Carlo, uh, being a key reason that they got to the Sigerson Cup final. Uh, he's come back from his injury. He seems really back into form. A fantastic goal he took against Brackney a couple of weeks ago too. He is going to be a big forward for the county in the future, isn't he? Oh, absolutely. You know, and he, I, I was watching him in the, the Sigerson campaign. He had a terrific uh, Sigerson campaign with Carlo IT. He was unfortunate then to get an injury at just the wrong time. 
um, coming into the league and, and we really missed him in the league, you know, because uh, we had some lads out injured as well and Peter Cunningham was away and stuff. So we, we really did miss him. Um, but yeah, he's a huge talent. Uh, you know, I, I'd be marking James McPadden in, in training in, in road some nights and it's it's not easy, you know, and, and at times or even he made it look easy and, and, and that's not an easy thing to do. You know, James is a top class marker, but even some of the scores he kicked, he kicked one out near the stand side uh, on his bad side and, and it was a great score. I think that put him a point up in, in injury time, in normal time, um, you know, so, you know, he's, he's a huge talent and, and I, hopefully I'll get to play with him for another few years and years. You got to see earlier today the penalties that were taken between Ferban and Tullamore after, again, what proved to be a very dramatic second semi-final on Sunday evening at O'Connor Park. Uh, one thing that really struck me, Anton, I presume you'll have to probably practice penalties and roll between now and the final in two weeks' time uh, with the possibility of it finishing on the day, is that the quality of penalties from both Ferban and Tullamore was remarkable. Absolutely top class, Will. Uh, you wouldn't see it in the Premier League or even in a World Cup show. It was absolutely brilliant. Uh, because there was huge pressure on, on every penalty taker taking the kicks, you know, it, it, it was kind of on their head if they didn't score. So, like, some of the composure was top class. You know, the keepers uh, could do nothing about any of them, really, uh, in fairness to them. Uh, it ended up Sean Finn, I think, missed the, the last one. Did he, Will? I think he, it was him that missed the last mm. one and um, kicked it over the bar, which is very unfortunate for Sean, you know, a very good young footballer. Um, and it's, it's not a nice way to go out for Ferban, you know. Um, especially after training there the last three or four months and giving everything to go out in penalties is, is very unfair. But I suppose with the COVID and stuff, it, it, had, to, it had to finish on the day. So um, it is unfortunate for them, but no doubt they'll be back again next year. They're a good young team and, and there's loads of football in them yet. Yeah, I suppose it's an unusual circumstance. For Banner knocked out of the championship without losing a game, if you consider last night's game as a draw. Tullamore gets to the final, having just won their last group game and having come through on penalties after a draw. But I guess that's the nature of knockout football, Anton. You know, a team is going to yeah. find their way through. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's the way, you know, semi, as I said, semi-finals aren't an easy one. And, and form kind of goes into, out, out the window. It's, it's, a, it's a one-off game and you've nothing to lose. And, and, and teams will throw the kitchen sink at you, which you've seen Eaton Derry did toss on, on Saturday evening and, and nearly caught us. Um, so, uh, yeah, for, I suppose for Tullamore's point of view, they'd be delighted they're coming into form in the right time of the year. Um, they obviously won't look back at the first two games because it's no relevance now and just just support us and playing us in the final. And as I said, two weeks' time, it's it's a one-off game and it's it nothing to lose and we've nothing to lose. So, so I'm really looking forward to it. And in terms of yourselves, in, in terms of coming back every single year, you hear this every year that Road are probably the favourites to win the competition, but they're not getting any younger. This is now nine finals in a row, which is a remarkable achievement in and of itself. But if you look back at you know, the likes of Alan McNamee, who has been around pretty much for the last 20 years as a senior footballer, the amount of finals that he's gone to since 2002, it is quite crazy how you're able to continue to get to finals year on year. Yeah, it is. It's 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 a great um, it, it's a great record, Will. But I suppose the lads are hungry. They want more, and it uh, it's a great way to be. Um, I suppose the COVID coming kind of it, it, it was. I know it's not a good thing for the general public, but for us as a team, it gave us a chance to just get a break and and recharge the batteries and and. Uh, you know, spend a bit of time doing things that we wouldn't normally get to do. You know, if we meant, I know it was with the lockdown, we couldn't do a whole lot really. But, you know, just taking a break from football, not picking up the bag of a Tuesday and a Friday or Sunday morning and go on training, just taking that break and spending a bit of time with family and friends. Um, it was good, you know, and, and then it gave us a bit of appetite to go back when, when the call came to go back. Then lads were really hungry to go back at it. Um, and I suppose Maliki coming in from Port Leash, it was all a new setup for us and, and getting to know him and, 
he's brought a real freshness in and, and Nigel Pearson is our strength conditioner down from us or from Borlish as well and it, it, he's brought a real freshness to the squad and, and lads are really enjoying it. And you know Malky again who's a serial winner both as a player and a manager he would have played against Road in the Leinster Football Championship and managed against you just a few years ago too. What's he brought in? Because you know, you've brought in external managers in recent times. You had Jack Cooney there uh, over the last couple of years working alongside Pascal. But what's Malachy brought to the table in his first year in charge of you? Um, I suppose not, not really different than anyone else, I suppose. But just he's just brought a freshness. A new voice uh, has been good for us. Uh, just freshened the whole thing up. Um, our training is very enjoyable. It's all football. Um, loads of drills, uh, loads of just you're not going training. Going, are we going to get run tonight or what's in store? It's 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 very enjoyable. Um, as I said, loads of football, plenty of challenge games. Like I suppose with the the joy of playing the knockout, it's it's a game every two weeks, and you've games and games, loads of games coming. So that that's been really good as well. It's keeping the bodies fresh, um, not doing a whole lot of work, but ju- just keeping us ticking over and keeping us fresh. And in terms of the format this year, it kept me very busy a couple of Sundays ago on the final day of the group stages because I was trying to work out the scoring difference between Cap and Kerr, Tullamore and Clara as the games were going by. We saw maybe a swing in scores in Group 1 and was wondering who was going to finish up in second place. It led to a pretty exciting format. I mean, with the exception of Road and Forban, who already had the wins in the bank and you knew unless something crazy happened, you were going to qualify. There was a proper little scrap going on in both groups in the final round to see who was going to go through because of the shorter format this year. Yeah, I, I think it's a great format, well, to be honest, the two groups of four, because every game means something. You know, you're going out and uh, your backs to the wall. Even the first game, if you don't win the first game, you're under pressure straight away. And I suppose if, if you don't win two games, like, are you really good enough to progress? I don't probably think you are. I know Tullamore have got through lucky enough and score difference, but um, at, at least it gives chance to lads, or it gives lads a chance to go and enjoy themselves then. If they want to go on holidays or they want to do something differently with themselves, they know they've, they've put everything in and it has to be good enough over, over a group stage. So it, it can give lads a chance to go away and enjoy themselves then. I, I think it's a great way. Um, for years there, we were playing everyone and games were kind of, didn't mean anything. You were just playing them for the sake of playing them and, and getting them out of the way, you know, whereas this... You know, every game meant something. Um, it was coming every two weeks and it was great. And it was keeping lads fresh and keeping lads thinking, which is, is, is what lads want really at the end of the day. Plenty of games and plenty of football. We can see an awfully jersey behind you. I'm not sure if it's from Mead last year or is that a slightly older one? Uh, that was, no, that was my captain jersey from, from 2018. Um, right. When, when we lost Clare in the qualifiers, I, I kept my, my, my road one underneath. I have the two of them together. That's my mm. captain jersey when they captain road to championship. In 17, so I just a uh, nice little um, thing to have, I suppose, two captain jerseys. Yeah, and look, you're going to have to wait a couple of weeks longer to go back into the Offaly panel for the best possible reason. Yourselves and the Tullamore players who won't be going back in because you're preparing now for a county final. Uh, but what is your feeling about coming back uh, as things stand, middle of October? You've got a couple of league games to finish out before getting into the championship. How are you feeling about going back in with the county in a few weeks' time? Yeah, obviously looking forward to it, Will. Um, uh, priorities are county final day now in two weeks' time, and I won't look uh, beyond that. But yeah, really looking forward to it. Um, we've two league games left to play with Tip and Derry, and then we have a game against Carlo and Tullamore. So yeah, uh, I think we're back training. I'll oh, offer back training tomorrow night, anyways, as far as I know. Um, so I think he's to cut the panel within two weeks as well, because I think the new format, there's only 32 players involved, so he's to get rid of a couple of lads. So um yeah, no, I am looking forward to Will, but I, I suppose my main focus now is on Tullamore Sunday week and I won't look beyond that. But yeah, really looking forward to getting back into the league and uh, giving the championship a good go against Carlo.
Yeah, look, I suppose it's a different year, isn't it? I mean, we don't have to look at qualifiers this year. Uh, any talk about a secondary competition is pushed back at least into 2021. You're probably going to face this and go, look, every game is one that you can possibly win in the championship and see how far you can go when it does get underway. Absolutely. I mean, just take it, take it as it comes, you know, because you never know. Like, as I said, you don't know what's around the corner, what's next week going to bring or the week after, if we're going to go into another lockdown or, or what's going to happen. So I, I, I think... Um, just take each game as it comes, take each train session as it comes, and, and let's give it a rattle. You know, you've nothing to lose. We've nothing to lose. You've two games. They'll prepare us well for the Carlo game. And like, as knockout football comes, you know yourself, anything can happen on the day. And let's, let's see what happens. And I'd imagine when it comes to the league, it's just a case of picking up a draw or a win to be 100% assured you're back into Division 3 for next year. The trick is not to lose both of those games and end up in a relegation situation on the last day. Yeah, and like I, I feel like going back to the league, we, we would have underperformed against Down until a more before the lockdown had came and we were right up in, in the mix for promotion and, and we kind of didn't get a chance to rectify that that result that day because the lockdown had came. But um, yeah, we'd be definitely looking to, to win those two games 100%. We, we've Tipperary away who haven't been going reasonably well either before the lockdown. So like, and then we've Derry at home. So we'd fancy our chances against both of those teams and to finish up as high up the table as possible and, and bring it into next year then as well, you know? Yeah, and I'd imagine you know, a lot of people have debated about the window and the preparation time that's there. John Mon said a few weeks ago that, look, 2020 is what it is. He would love to have a few more weeks to get ready for coming back in, but he sees the two league games as a good way to be in a good tactical place before the championship comes around. I would imagine everyone is still pretty fit uh, given that they've been in action in the club championships, you know, across the board really for the last month or so anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Like, of course. And, and lads have been getting plenty of football across all grades, from junior right up to senior. Um, they've been, been getting loads of football. Like, even if you look at the weekend there, like, the county players have all stood out. Like, Johnny Maloney was exceptional yesterday, by all accounts. Keen Johnson, the same. Keen Farrell, Saturday evening. You know, so lads are coming into form at the right time, which is, which is a good thing for all of football. Well, we're going to hear from Johnny Maloney in a few moments' time. Anton, thanks a million for joining us on the pod. Yeah, take care, Will. Thanks very much. And best of luck with it going forward. Anton Sullivan there in conversation with us here on the Brave and Faithful podcast. Time for us to look at the second semi-final, which was remarkably dramatic here at Borden Mono O'Connor Park because we had the first ever penalty shootout in the Tullamore Court Hotel Offaly Senior Football Championship. That clip of the Rory McNamee point was with thanks to Offaly GA TV. I can give you a look now at the penalties that were taken by Tullamore, again with thanks to Offaly GA TV. And when you watch this, you'll see the remarkable standard that took place just over my shoulder here on Sunday evening. Here's Shane Dooley. Can he send the Tullamore men underway? He hits it and he buries it into the back of the net. That oh, beautifully dispatched there. Dispatched with a plum there. Nicely stuck into the back of the net. So an advantage to the Tullamore men again. Here comes John. Oh, low and hard. Well put away by John Maloney. Here comes Paul. And again, you wouldn't see penalty shooting like this in the Premier League. I have to say, like Here he comes. And he does it again. Yeah. Here he comes. Oh, yeah, again, brilliantly put away by Shane Dooley. My God, some said so. It's Jack Cullinan. Could he be the hero for Forban? Here he comes, comes. And again, brilliantly dispatched again. And he dived the right way. And here he comes, here he comes. Oh, yeah, again, again. Kieran Egan for Tullamore. Can this be the defining moment? Oh, the, the coolest of cool penalty. Brian Gavin, bloody hell. Uh, 
Premier League, maybe Germany, the World Cup kind of standard penalties there. Uh, we see Jack Cullinan making a whole lot of attempts to dive across and save the ball, but little chance because the penalties were so good. And that included you know, guys who maybe I would have thought, we'll hear from Johnny Maloney in a few minutes about his own penalties, but you know, Paul McConway slotted two away beautifully. You'd expect maybe Shane Dooley, who's played a bit of soccer and you know probably be a forward throughout his career and would have taken a few penalties from play. But Tullamore had a really high standard, and so did Ban of penalty takers in that semi-final. Yeah, and you'd actually wonder... Did they practice these in training in the last few weeks or maybe in the weeks coming up? Because even I'd say in Clara, we forgot about it during the week. You know, when you're so concentrating on the game in hand, you forget some of the things that might happen. And, you know, I'd say Tullamore and Forban definitely must have practiced penalties because the penalty taken was exceptional out there. It's an unfortunate way to end, but I think with the years in it, there's no one going to give out too much. Like, if Johnny Maloney, who was outstanding here yesterday, had that missed his penalty, if Forban got the, the next one, you know, Johnny Maloney, unfortunately for him, probably would be in an awful bad place. And that's how cruel sport is. And lucky enough for him, the Ferban man, I think it was James Nally or, uh, or Shane, I'm not sure. Shane, but over the bar, yeah. yeah. Over the bar, and lucky enough. But it was a fascinating clash from the world go. You know, we knew Tullamore would come. They always, when they get to a semi-final, a town team are very hard bet. And, uh, you know, they brought, they had a good few changes from us. Even Michael Brazel wasn't playing. The start of Paul McComba, you know, Kieran Egan was outstanding. Luke Egan. And these are young lads, only out of minor, and I think people need to realise that the young lads are coming from under 17 last year, usually they're coming from under 18, and it's, it's a fair achievement from any under 17 yeah. to step up to a mark in senior, intermediate or junior, whatever it is, and both the two Egan's, especially Luke again us in the last round, they stood up to the plate, but it was a fascinating clash, it could have gone either way, and, uh, but I think overall in the balance of play, Tullamore deserved a victory. I'd imagine Joe as well, Niall Stack would be saying, look, this is exactly like 2009 when they won the hurling, people had written them off, they are going into the last game of the group stages, got the result they needed, qualified, eked their way out through a few results and beat Kilcormac Lahey in that hurling final, uh, Tullamore need no other motivation than this is a chance to go back within one Dowling Cup of Road, Road now of 29, Tullamore of 27. This is a chance for Tullamore to win 28, when only two or three weeks ago, I think very few people would have been tipping him to win the championship. Yeah, and I'd, I'd say, and probably Brian will agree with this, I think when Niall Stack came in, he was looking at maybe blooding a few youngsters and building a team over the next couple of years and getting them used to senior football. Of course, you'd always have a hope at the start of the year you would reach the county final, but I would have think Tullamore's development has maybe even come as a surprise to the Tullamore public themselves. You could see in the early group stages, you know, Shane Kelly not with the panel this year, Shane Dooley not featuring, Paul McConway not featuring, all in reserve that Niall Stack seemed to have a clear blueprint he was going with you, lads, thanks for your service, but you're not guaranteed starters anymore. Conversely in that, it shows the importance of the experience too, because Shane Dooley and Paul McCormick had been massive, particularly Dooley, you know, uh, got the goal a couple of weeks ago when they really needed it against yourselves. And, you know, Shane Dooley, if there had been 10 penalties, Shane Dooley probably wanted to hit the 10 of them and had scored them, because in front of goal, be it hurling or football, he's lethal, you know, and the quality of the penalties, I could see, you know, Sean Martin was probably hitting the ground as much as the ball in the goals because they couldn't get near them, and it would have been unfortunate for Johnny Maloney, look, if he hit that penalty again, it was like kind of, you know, Beckham in the World Cup years ago, the ground nearly moved beneath him because he nearly cleared the ball stopper, and that's, you know, he just completely miscued, but for the performance, listening and watching the other day, that John Mohan spoke waxing lyrical about Johnny Maloney, if he was on the losing side, there's an awful lot of baggage going into the following year with that hanging over your head but you just kind of hope I suppose as a neutral that you wouldn't see the county final decided that way that I know the rules can't be changed but while it was a huge novelty factor it's not easy watching you're kind of saying your whole year is decided on this but just the last word of Tullamore 
they had a fantastic under-17 team uh, coming through there. Um, they're starting to see shoots of it now, and I really think Tullamore are probably are going to benefit from this massively, win, lose or draw, because it's given them youngsters a chance to play at the highest level so early in their careers, and it can only be good because the town of Tullamore will never die when it comes to football. I think, Brian, when it comes to it, penalties are fantastic if you're a neutral and watching it like we were yesterday. If it's your own club, it's horrible. Oh, it is. Uh, like I was just thinking after our game ended, uh, one of the chaps with us had, uh, had the video going and we started looking at it in the car. Uh, we were definitely last to leave Dangan, but you'd be saying to yourself, if that was your own club, you know, you'd be a bag of nerves. And who can you blame then? Can you blame the goalkeeper then or the lad that missed it? Uh, you know, and you're always looking for an excuse then when you're beaten. And that's the unfortunate part of penalties. And I suppose, you know, Tullamore got the rub of the green yesterday. When it comes to penalty shootouts in GA of all sport, it is a rub of the green. But uh, Tullamore definitely had their homework done. Just one player that I thought that would have made a huge difference and he transfer was Aidan Keenan. Mm. Aidan gone, I think, he'd play with Bally Finn. I've been playing uh, well with Bally Finn Bally too. Finn. And if he was there yesterday, I'd say that game, you know, because what Aidan Keenan does is he's a workhorse yeah. and he creates that little bit of space and he's a ball winner for likes of Ushin Kelly, for Keen Johnson, Joe Maher, and just Ferban lacked that ball winner yesterday to drive it to Tullamore defence and he was a huge loss for Ferban. The format is what the format is, Brian, but you'd have to feel for Ferban a little bit in this, in that they surrendered the Dowling Cup having done very little wrong in their defence of it and are knocked out without having been beaten. You've got to count yesterday as a draw. That wasn't actually a defeat. Yeah, you probably when the history books will show. You know, when people maybe in 60-year time will go through history books and see Tullamore won 9 8 in penalties, they'll be all asking their grandfathers, yeah. and, uh, you know, uh, what happened. In 60 years time. <laughs> well, the way we enjoy going, they won't be asking us anyway. We're, we're not contributing much to any grandsons or anyone. But, uh, uh, but, but they'll show Tullamore 9 8 in penalties or something like that, and it'll be bizarre, and it'll be asked maybe in quizzes through Hawley for in years to come and, and that. But, you know, it's going to be a fascinating final now in two weeks' time, and both teams won't fear each other, and they'll be cautious of each other. And something, I suppose, it, it, the novelty factor, I suppose, you're used to seeing it on television. I was watching, actually, what the crowd are doing to celebrate it. They all ran, made a beeline for Sean Martin to celebrate with him after letting in eight goals, you know. And it was, it was you, you didn't even know who to run to, who to celebrate with. It's just that natural reaction. And look, it, it is great for the neutral. I watched it this morning. There was a full-length clip with all the commentary. It wasn't edited at this stage for Offaly GATV. And it's great watching, but mm. if you're after putting in work since February and you know during the lockdown, like you have to remember, particularly in football with the fitness levels there, like players have worked so hard, like everyone had a WhatsApp group, you know, the five K times going in in every club. Now, wasn't I wasn't sending to many of them in our club, yeah, but yeah. They, they are happening. But you know, it's it's such an, a bad way for it to go out, you know. And yeah. championships have to be played. We see the Tyrone final, you know, was decided on it as well, and it's going to be here. I suppose everyone knows in advance, but I just think I don't feel that it'll go that way in the final. You never know, but. Um, Again, it, it, it's, a not, it's a hard way to yeah. lose a game. Okay. I, I suppose the final point on it, lads, when you go back to March and April and we sit in at home and we didn't know what to do. Yeah. Like yeah. Over the last few weekends, we've been really spoiled and awfully with the Hurling Championship and the football. And, you know, every week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you're starting to think what's going on. And there's midweek games as well. There's underage. I was at under-13 games yesterday. The under-17 final is ready now in minor Hurling. There's some fantastic, fantastic games out there. And I was just thinking... 
what would we do without the GA oh, the last yeah. few weeks? That's for certain. Yeah, yeah. And I know we're giving out maybe about penalties, but I'd rather have it than have nothing. Oh, yeah, and it's probably a discussion we'll probably have because the importance of, of mental health in general is huge. But what it's done for people, and even since the inception of the GA TV here, I know people can't get to them, but you know, I think it was Aoife Grehan from Forban had a photo up a couple of weeks ago, her grandparents watching it on a smart TV, they got to set it up. And like, they're so emotional in it, you know, and it's, it's huge that you get to see the games now. Like, everyone is scrambling to get on the 50 in their club to get in. Like, I, I, I like Brian, I passed Brian yesterday after John Cullen finished training. Our under 13s are in the A semi final, and are in the final now, you know, and, and not just bigging up my own club, but it means so much to their uh, people. We stream a couple of games on our own Facebook page, but like, for youngsters to get to a final after it could be 30 or 40 years since we were in an A final mm-hmm. at that grade, if we hadn't that hurling to look forward to and hadn't the training and hadn't the football games, as bad and all as COVID 19 has been. And I must give credit, and I know Brian's on the county board, but the way Offaly GA have handled the venues, there's been very little, if any, uh, negative talk. You know, I see our own club, our chairman, totally strict. You give your list, he's hand sanitizer, nearly pouring it on him going in the gate. It's like going into mass years ago, it's just been doused in sanitizer now. Yeah. But the handling of the games, we spoke to Michael Dyden on it, like Offaly have been a very, very proud and forward on county in what they've done. Yeah. Well, let's hear from one of the Tullamore crew, the guys we're talking about, uh, his penalty that wasn't scored as opposed to the penalty they did score in the first round of five. This is Johnny Maloney uh, looking back on that epic penalty shootout yesterday. You were part of a piece of history, uh, John, on Sunday with the eventual win after what I must say is a neutral watching it on Offaly GA TV was absolutely engrossing because we got seven penalties into the shootout. Didn't look like anyone was going to miss. Even Dooley's penalty where Cullinan got half a hand on it was pretty well struck. And what was it like actually taking part in the penalty shootout? Because in Gaelic football, obviously, you never have to do this before. Uh, yeah, that's, that's very true. It was very unusual, I suppose. Um, I never even really played soccer um, growing up. Like, it was always either rugby or football. So <laughs> when it came to the penalty shootout, you know, it was completely unknown for me. Some of the lads, like said, Dooley and Kieran Burns there, a young fellow that plays with those there, big into the soccer, you know, didn't phase them at all. But uh, certainly was... Unbelievably unusual. Um, I suppose it is uh, an unusual way to finish a game. You'd have to feel for for Ban because ultimately, at the end of the day, like it, it was the weight of a crossbar between both teams. At the end of the day, yeah, Sean Flynn uh, very unlucky with his penalty just over the bar. You know, uh, I suppose you're never too far away uh, from a clap in the back. You're just as far away from a kick up the ass. Like you know what I mean. So yeah, really unusual. Um, but just glad I suppose that we we. Uh, we came through anyway. Had you put much practice in, Johnny, before it? Because, you know, we knew when the rules changed after COVID-19 that it was going to be decisions on the day for the games this season. Would you have done much practice in recent weeks of the penalties or is it something that was thought about a whole lot? Uh, I wouldn't say we did a lot of practice, but we did think about it. Um, obviously, it wasn't a feature for the group game. So up to, to until we got into the semi-final, um, the week before the game, so last week uh, for preparation, one of the nights after training, we all, uh, whoever was willing to take a penalty, um, we all practiced basically after training to see who would take them. But even at that then, a lot of lads scored. You know, we took one each, and everyone took picked their spot, and uh, <clears throat> they were the guys who, if they were going to be on the field, were going to put up their hand. Then after the game, you know, when Stiggy kind of asked us, uh, Stiggy the manager, uh, who who's going to um, who wants to take a penalty? You know, the flurry hands going up, but then some lads are like, "I'll take one if, if such and such lads not if you're not comfortable or whatever." So it's still kind of a bit all over the place. Like even um, Declan Hogan was actually down on the sheet to uh, take a penalty number four, and Paul McConway thought he was number four, 
Um, so when Paul found out Deck was on it, he wasn't having that. Like so, just before the pen, first penalty was taken, it all had to be changed, and Paul put in number four. And I suppose uh, good job he was because he he buried the two of them. So I was very yeah. impressed with Paul McConway's penalties, uh, particularly his second one where he kind of took a Ronaldo-style stall just before he hit it, and then picked his spot and put it <laughs> nice and high and over to one side. I wasn't expecting that from Paul McConway. I've known him since I've known him probably since he was about 20 years of age. He's always been pretty much a defender and not the type of guy I'm expecting to be running up to the ball 13 meters out from goal. No, he won't like to hear you say that. No, will he's uh, yeah. fancies himself. He fancies himself as a baller. Paul does. Uh, he, he he reckons he's big big Everton fan. He was a big uh, big soccer big soccer player when he, when he was young he said he preferred it to football but that obviously changed over time but I know Jesus Paul is unbelievable like he showed real leadership skills there as well people forget um, like that was his first game in 14 months and he played 80 minutes like incredible really like he, he played a played a challenge match last uh, Saturday night or something like that I think and he played 45 minutes you know uh, and that was basically his preparation going into that game um, so Jesus he did it unbelievably well and of course uh, been there to kick the two two penalties was was crucial. And I guess having warriors like that around are very important because we were chatting on the pod earlier about how much youth is coming through in your club currently and how good the underage teams have been over the last couple of years. But you need players like Paul, who has that bit of steel and bit of experience, to try and carry those young players into their senior career now. Oh yeah, sure. <clears throat> Paul, Paul, obviously we we touched on Paul, how how, how influential he could be. But then there's uh, kind of. Uh, a younger group maybe behind Paul likes a Declan Hogan that was pretty standing up and Nigel Bracken and they're even bringing on Aaron Levy he's only 21 but he's really become uh, a very important player for us and it's important that our main players like that you know um, they're they're driving on the, as you said the young lads and encouraging them and bringing them on and uh, showing them I suppose uh, the right way to approach it and um, you know all the games in the office here in football championship particularly last year or two uh, they're very competitive and uh you know, you really need everyone firing, so you need to get the best out of your experienced guys, but equally you need to your young guys to really be improving and, and playing up to their potential as well. Tell me about this, get any sort of result. this adventure to the final, because some people are already comparing it to your hurling team in 2009, yeah. where at the end of the group stages, back is entirely up against the wall, have to get a result in the last group game, get to the knockout stages, pull off a couple of shocks, and then beat Kilcormac Law in a final, and they were able to lift the Robins Cup. There is a little bit of an air about that about your football team this year because once you lost to Captain Kerr on weekend one, there was very little margin for error in the rest of that group because you knew you had two difficult games at the end. You got your victory against Clara and the points difference that were needed to qualify and now you've overturned the county champions. It's quite a remarkable turnaround from a month ago, Johnny. Yeah, I suppose. Uh, look, that is true. Um, I suppose uh, a few things about that. First of all, I think everyone was shocked to Captain Kerr beat us, but... but Capper are a good team, you know. I don't think so. Sometimes people like you know, it's such a shock. It's not really like they have loads of players that had experience playing with awfully good, really good players like you know, Owen and his brother Bill. Very impressed with him, and just to name two of them. Um, as well, we we introduced a lot of young players as well, so we were trying to find our way, and they were trying to find their way. And it was one of those games, and it was it was tight at the end, and we lost, but we'd done an awful lot of work, so even though we'd lost, um, you know. We the work we'd done we still wasn't written off if if that makes any sense at all. <clears throat> Going out against Road, obviously we like there's no point in line. Our confidence had taken a bit of a bit of a hit against Cabin Kerr, but we still actually were okay. We're okay for a, lot, a long time against Road. And the sending off against Aaron Levy um, really affected us. Now, now to be honest, it didn't. It never looked like we were going to beat Road, but 
it was a it was a small bit of an improvement from uh, the Cap and Kerr game. Again, as I said, the young guys get more experience. It's kind of saying, um, just from my own uh, experience when I was younger, it took me maybe 10 or 11 championship games, which could be two years, you know what I mean, playing championship to really kind of feel that I can express myself. Whereas we have a lot of lads there now, they're, this county final is going to be their, their fourth game to start, you know, in in championships. So every single game, they just improve an awful lot, like, and it really helps, you know. Uh, like, you know, when, when everyone's going well, it's much easier to, to produce a good performance, you know. It's much easier for me to play well when the guys next to me are all, all doing their part as well, you know. Well, it's a huge benefit for those lads who are you know, 18, 19 that are coming in, playing their first couple of years of championship, to now have a county final to look forward to. This is a huge experience maker for any young player and to get it as early as some of the lads in your club are is surely going to be a huge occasion for them. Yeah, no, it will be. But I think they'll take it in their stride because you said they have been quite successful and a lot of them are, are like, they're great. Like, you know, there's no, there's no mind in them. Like, you know, they look after themselves, you know, to play in terms of coaching. They just much really coachable these young fellas now it's unbelievable like so some of them just they just take in information it's incredible so as you say the, the experience they're going to get is going to be fantastic but it's important to build on it because uh, I suppose told more of history before where we've won championships with young, young teams and maybe not quite pushed on how we would have liked but look, that's for another day like <clears throat> we're in a a big game now in a fortnight we have a lot of young guys we have ho- hopefully they I, they will approach it properly, but hopefully they can perform on the day, which, which I'm sure they they will, because uh, no, they're really really great fellas, to be honest. And you know, it's a great historic rivalry between yourselves and Road. I know Road will say their biggest rivals will be Eden Derry. You'll probably say your biggest rivals yeah. are Clara. But at the same time, yeah. because the two you're up at the top of the tree, and I remember chatting to John Rouse a few years ago when it was a case of who was going to pull away from the, each other with uh, Tullamore Road in the final. Road have added on a couple since and have gone 29-27 yeah. ahead. But this is a chance if Tullamore were to win the final on Sunday week, you get back within one road at the top of the uh, roll of honour again. Yeah, look, I suppose uh, for a lot of people in our club, it would be a big factor, you know, especially the guys, the older guys in the club, you know, that, that is an, thing, an important thing for them. But in terms of us, I suppose, like, I've only won, you know. So I think, mm. I don't know how many Alan McNamee has, he's is, he is 12 on his own, you know. So, like, you know, it depends how you look at it, really. But to be honest with you, I just really want to add to my one you know uh, the role of honour look after itself it's just important to us as a more team um, you know we just put out performance against Road like they're, you know, they're going to come in heavy favours to beat us by nine points it could have been could have been a bit more now uh, out in Gracefield only a few weeks ago so we have a lot of young players a bit of an, un- an unknown there but uh, hopefully we, we can put off a performance and look we'll do everything we can ultimately to get the win all of us just want uh, a championship nearly just, just for this team, I suppose, rather than look too much into the whole role of honour thing like uh, Road and Ferriston. They've been a credit how they've uh, employed themselves the last few years and deservedly they are on top of the on top of the role of honour, whether we like it or not. Well, chatting to Anton earlier, he was saying that he's massively enjoyed the championship this year because it's been a case of no early start, a break, and then coming back after the inter-county season. It's been pretty consistent every second of week. You've had a group game, which has had huge importance on it because of the short race and the nature of things. We had such a dramatic final day with three teams in your group fighting it out for second place. And anyone could have ended up in the relegation spot as well as qualifying for a semi-final. And now you've had a yeah. semi-final and a final to come around very quickly too. Have you found a similar experience, Johnny, having you know six, seven weeks of competitive football that's going to define a championship? 
Yeah, no, it's been it's been brilliant. Um, it, it's been perfect. The, the split season that they're proposing for the GA, it's a no-brainer, really. Um, in terms of de- developing team dynamic and, you know, getting getting uh, comfortable in how the team plays, you know, and ultimately then it improves the quality of what's going on. Um, club championships this year, everyone's saying it, you know, that's been the highest standard as ever. And sure, it's no coincidence because all the players are there training uh, all together for longer periods of time and um, as you say that's the whole thing of playing two games and going away for, for three or four months and playing again like you can't really build on that you actually see where some teams struggle where they go too well in April and then when it comes down to the business end you know they might be a bit flat or whatever and you know it's just very un- it's, it's not a natural thing in terms of uh, competition you know it's the way it's blocked together there now it just makes perfect sense we want to play games you know we don't want to be training months uh, endlessly especially like obviously I, I played, played with Offaly the last few years so <clears throat> I feel for a lot of the club players here and then summer months where they're just you know turn up to training but they don't even sometimes they don't even know why they're, why they're doing it they just turn up because that's what they do every Wednesday and Friday night you know what I mean so uh, yeah the less of that kind of aimless training where uh, it's kind of pointless with no uh, goal in sight the better so yeah it's been brilliant now, don't tell me you'll play anywhere for the team when I ask you this question. I'm going to ask you where you actually like playing because I remember when you were coming through and you were playing a good bit of rugby at the time too and kind of playing half back. I mean, a player who was going to break out the field was the position that seemed ideal for you. Then different managers have used you in different positions in the forwards, whether that be as an auxiliary, half forward, whether that be in around the square trying to break some ball. I give you the choice where you want to play right now. Where would you prefer to play in a team if you could? Um, my my spot centre back, if I'm honest now. Um, that's 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 where I normally play. But uh, I've actually, if I lined up in goals, I think I've started on every line of the field for off in the championship match. So maybe if I hold on long enough, then Paisonic can heads off to Dubai or some place doing a bit of teaching. Might get in there, but uh, no, yeah, centre back would be naturally my best position. That's where I would have never played forward till I was about maybe uh, 23 or four years of age. Then in 2013, 20, I was 22 going 23 in 2013. So uh, that's when uh, the experiment started and full forward. And then I suppose uh, horses horses for courses, different managers have different ideas. And depending on who you're playing and that, uh, sometimes it's a good idea, managers think, to maybe try me in the forwards. But uh, if you ask John Motton now where my position is, he'd definitely say centre-back. He wouldn't have me near the forwards. But, uh, yeah, different managers, different uh, different ideas. Um, with Tullamore, kind of, we produ- naturally produce an awful lot of backs. So, uh, a few years ago, we were, we were maybe short up front, so I got landed up there and did okay in a few games. So, kind of, I've been up and around the forward line most of the time with Tullamore, but maybe in, 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 in between centre-back too. Essentially, what you're saying here is if you hadn't played as well breaking ball in the forward line for the team, you could have probably stayed in the half-back line then. Well, for Tullamore, yeah, I would have, yeah. Uh, basically, yeah, just on, on the back for maybe two or three games in 2013, I'd probably be still uh, playing in, in the backs with Tullamore, yeah. There's no point in saying otherwise, I, I would be, yeah. There'd be some, someone else up there uh, doing, doing my role there at the minute. But, uh, no, to be honest, I really enjoy the forwards. Um, it's way different, you know. It's, it's, it's nice to play up there. It's... I know it's enjoyable being able to get an opportunity to get a few scores and be involved in attacking plays. Um, but similarly, I suppose it kind of bit of a it's difficult for me in that you know obviously a lot of my football centre back when I come back from Offaly into Tullamore, you know it's not as easy to adjust from playing centre back to full forward or 
uh, that quickly. You know, it does take a few games. Uh, sometimes people might realise that, but you you would be kind of uh, the things you need for forward line important. Have a good first touch and things like that. Not that you wouldn't have one at centre back, but you know them mm. small little balls coming in and quick hands and runners coming off you, and you're playing with your back to go. Like when you're playing centre back, you know then things happen way less often. You know, you different kind of skill set. So. Uh, yeah, it's it is a bit tricky, but uh, look, I enjoy it. It's 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 a nice it's a nice a nice uh, opportunity to for something different. You know, people like it, that bit of freshness. Uh, you know, so so look, I don't mind at all to be honest. Well, John Mon was basically living in O'Connor Park at the weekend. He was in for all the yeah. games and he was commentating on. I think he did the two senior uh, semi-finals and he was in watching the senior B semi-finals which were played beforehand too. And one of the things he commented on while your game was on on Sunday evening was that he was really happy that a lot of the county players stood up and played very well in the semi-finals they were playing at the weekend. He was saying it was exciting that guys looked like they're into a good level given that you're going to be back out with the county team in around about four weeks' time. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, I, I, I probably agree with him. Um, we have two great coaches there in uh, Dermot Chard and Mark Fee were kind of pushing out a lot of uh, really good uh, maybe training programs to us over the lockdown and uh, nothing too um, taxing like it was all scientific you know they were, we weren't just running around for the sake of it like but uh, really good stuff that and tailored to different people what they needed so you see uh, the likes of maybe Aaron Levy for us you know he's really <clears throat> come on an awful lot over lockdown you know he's a young guy he's getting big and strong now and I uh, suppose even the game yesterday, Keane Johnson there, he, he was he was excellent. Like he scored six points from play, and I was told he was carrying a leg going in as well. So, uh, for, for Ban, so like just that was in our game, you know. He he he's obviously in, in with Offaly. He's one of the top top players, and Offaly, and he really produced the goods when it mattered. And for us on our side, you know, all our county boys, uh, Braz came on. He he wasn't uh, fully fit coming in. He came on and did brilliantly. Nigel Bracken, Declan. Hogan and, and Levy, uh, obviously, you know, they all produced big performances and um, that's what I suppose made the game great as well. Like it was a very competitive game. And, um, yeah, the, the quality of, of what I've seen from other county boys is it's been great. But there's lads, also other lads and club players definitely putting up their hands. I'd say John's definitely thinking about them and having a look at them um, who've been excellent in the club championship, you know. So it's been a good shop window in that sense, I'd say, for, for John Martin. Can you enjoy playing a game like Sunday just gone by? Because when I got off the radio at six, I went out and watched the stream and I caught the tail end of the second half, caught extra time, caught the penalties. It's just so much ebbing and flowing. One team would get a little bit of a lead, then get pegged back, and no one could really kind of decisively get ahead. Can you actually yeah. enjoy a game like that where there's great scores and it's incredibly competitive? Is it actually enjoyable to play in a game like that? Uh it's a funny one, yeah. When you're playing, you you know, you're like, yeah, it's it's unbelievable, really. To be honest, it's it's uh, it's why you play. Like I I love every absolutely every second of it. Like um, now, obviously, there's ebbs and flows. Like you know, when we got ahead, Aaron Levy scores a point just to win it. Like you know, and you're subconscious there. You're thinking, right, surely it's going to be over when he blow when he kicks this ball out. When it's not blown up, then you're like, oh my god, they're not going to go down are they? We get kind of a good. And Nigel Bracken gets a good tackle on, slow, slows, they, get, they win a free. You're like, all oh, right, we'll surely get lads back. And not, next thing Ocean Kelly is a goal chance. You're like, oh, Jesus Christ. This, so it's nearly went from the best feeling ever to the worst in literally 10 seconds. And so that was just a, a small snapshot shot of the game. So when it's really enjoyable, there's moments of, I suppose, absolute despair, I suppose, uh, while you're playing. 
Um, but yeah, really, you can't beat the you can't beat the boys. But like, uh, you feel for Fabana, obviously. But, you know, if they had to come out the the right side of it, you know, they'd be saying the same thing. But um, you know, it's 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 just it's it's brilliant, really. To be honest, it's the best thing ever. Yeah, that's why everyone plays. I think. Yeah, it's tough on Fabian. I mean, in, to their credit, they wore their crown very well. They go out of this championship without having lost a game inside normal time or even inside extra time. They were really good in the group stages, worked their way through, got to a semi-final, played an epic, lost in the lottery of penalties. You can argue about the skill yeah, or yeah. the look that's there. Yeah, I suppose ultimately, yes, but even, even if, if, if you got it all in um, after the game and you said, like, everyone would prefer a replay, you know. Um, but, look, that's the way it, it goes. Like, um, at the end of the day, it was, once it goes to penalties, it's anyone's, like... You know, it's look at it as you said, it is look at it all. It's as simple as that. Like, yeah, it's probably really important who wins the toss to go first, you know. Yeah, well, you know, because I think there's some statistics done that whoever goes first is statistically a better chance of winning the win, win the penalty shootout. So, okay, I won the toss, I suppose, maybe. Yeah, keep that in mind in case it's needed yeah. in the final against Ford in a couple of weeks' time. What I did find unusual too, and look, everyone's getting used to this, and we've had changes with phases, and some people have been allowed in, and then there was nobody in, and then there was 100 people in. One thing that did feel a bit unusual is when the penalty shootout finished, you didn't quite get the normal roar and maybe people running to the front of the stand. You had a few people, but you kind of miss out that moment ever so slightly. Could you imagine what the crowd would have been like during that penalty shootout and when the penalties finished if there'd been a couple of thousand people there? Yeah, that's probably. I actually didn't think of that. I'd say it would have been ten times more nerve wracking if I'm honest. Yeah, we actually maybe we got off light. Uh, yeah, absolutely, it would have been way worse. And the celebrations, or you know, the sense of relief would have been would have been even heightened even more. Um, God, yeah, I couldn't think of the pressure of transfer show when I was going up to take my second one. That was enough for me. Uh, without having a couple of thousand there looking at me, miss. Will it feel weird kind of parading around ahead of the county final on Sunday week and you look up into a stand that can host thousands of people and there'll be 100 people or so probably socially distanced in the stand. It'll be very different to maybe some of the road and Tullamore battles of old where you would have had a huge crowd in there. Yeah, yeah. No, it definitely will. But it's funny, actually, uh, once the ball is thrown in uh, during game time, you actually forget about it in a sense. It's funny. That's what I've noticed anyway. Um, now, obviously, county final have a much bigger crowd than mm. a semi or any group game, but um, you actually you, you kind of forget. Like um, maybe when there's a dead ball or something, uh, you know, and you, you're kind of more time and and that uh, you might you might notice it a bit more. But in actual gameplay, like you know, you've a thousand things going through your head, decisions that have to be made. Um, you don't notice it quite as much, but in, in terms of I found taking freezer, even then penalties, you would notice the crowd a bit. And as you say, if there was more people there, it could either you know put you going one way or the other in terms of scoring or missing, depending on how how you're taking it. Like. Well, one thing that's absolutely sure, we were down chatting to uh, Jim Kelly, the groundsman, earlier uh, this evening when we were in O'Connor Park, and. He just does a remarkable job. He actually has a sheet of paper which he sets every blade that he uses on the pitch. I've never seen a groundsman. We'll definitely do a podcast with him at some point just to talk us through the entire system. Yeah. But he told us that he cuts it between half past four and seven o'clock. 
It gets a double cut every evening now currently. Uh, he sprays yeah. the grass to make sure it doesn't grow too much. He gets out between half 10 and 11 every morning to do it. And I've never seen someone being so protective of the pitch. I'm glad that we were wearing light runners when we walked out to make sure we didn't do anything with the cut he had just done. Uh, but it's going to be an absolute carpet for the final when it comes around. I know all your focus is on getting ready to lead a team into a final, but Offaly is going to come back around. What's your feeling about the inter-county season coming back next month? Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's uh, look. Um, I'm looking forward to it, I suppose, but um, it's suppose it's going to be a bit challenging. It's it, we actually had a call there just earlier from John a Zoom meeting there just on the logistics of how things are going to work in terms of COVID officers being a training, signing in and out, uh, showers, different things. How it's all going to work, and so it's going to be interesting. Um, to be honest with you, I love going training with Offaly. We actually, uh, as a team, we all get on great one others, great morale there. Um, so in that way, you'd, you'd, you would have missed that kind of um, buzz with the group. So you'd be looking forward to getting back. Um, I suppose it's going to be a bit hectic in that, um, I don't know, what, what wouldn't really, um, I maybe, I don't know, but we're playing two league games and straight into the championship. You know, it feels a bit rushed, I think. And then the two league games, like, uh, you know, they, they mean an awful lot, especially for us. We, we you know, we, we really need to, as, as a team, um, improve our league standing, you know, so, so they mean an awful lot. But then the preparations of every county is going to be different depending on where they are in their own championships and uh, things like that. So the kind of, I suppose, the playing field isn't the same for everyone. Um, and that's a bit frustrating. And then um, week on week is going to be uh, tough enough as well. Uh, being honest, like it is, we are only amateurs. And um, week on week, just going back in, into counties is like... Uh, Anyone I tell you, it's a serious step up from club in terms of uh, fitness and uh, the load required to actually play. Like so, to even get through that, like um, you know, if you beat if we uh, our two league games, then we've carried on for lucky enough to beat them. Even a, week, a game the following week, I, I think. So you know, you mm-hmm. could have just just four games in a month there. Yeah, I know you want to play every week, but uh, when the loads increase like that, like, it'll be tough. So I suppose that's why you have a squad, I suppose, and that's what John will be interested in developing and looking at over the next few weeks yeah because the thing is you can't really afford a slow start when you come back in because those two games still have a lot on the line you know you're playing Tipperary away from home first and then Derry say you were to not perform well away from home at Temple Stadium on that Saturday you have to turn around eight days later and play Derry and what could then be a relegation dogfight depending on results elsewhere in all likelihood to be assured of your own position and to make sure you're definitely in division three for next year you're going to need at least one result from the last two realistically yeah, that's it. And I suppose that's what I'm talking about. It's just, I actually don't know how the, te- the Derry and Tipperary Championships are fair. And I think they're actually similar to us. Uh, so in that sense, uh, it should be uh, fairly uh, equal, like, you know, in terms of preparation time. Uh, so I suppose the, ultimately what's most important for a lot of county teams is the amount of times contact coaches have with the team in terms of uh, setting up tactically and things like that. Been able to review opposition uh it's not just fitness or anything like that, you know, it's actually uh, hands-on work in terms of how uh, games are approached uh, mm. tactically and that. And, you know, if a team has the upper hand on you there, like it is, it is, a, it is a huge difference. Like, at the end of the day, we're all going in there with good mindsets and that, like, you know, uh, so it's the small things that make a big difference. And if they have more time to prepare, I'm not saying they do, I'm not sure, but, you know, it, it does affect you. Like, see the Wexford hurlers there, there's no point in saying anything else, like, I know a lot of play football or whatever, but they they're gonna have a big advantage, like they do, because you know they've had so much time now. Once second they got back training to hit the ground running with most of their players, not all of them. I'm not sure how they work, but 
just an example, I suppose. Yeah, no, look, it is an advantage. And as you say, some of them will be playing football, but still, they'll be knocked out of the football championship. More of them will be gone. It's not going to be like there is for some of the players in Offaly who play dual. I'm thinking, say, the Fraban players, you might think they're getting an extra bit yeah. of rest. But no, most of them are back out with Belmont next week in the hurling. Yeah. That's not necessarily going to be the case for all of the players in Wexford. And even if you are a hurler who's continuing to play on football, you probably had a break for a week or two because your hurling team would have been out unless you got to the county final. So they definitely have an advantage, I think, over potentially if, say, they were to play Leash, who are going to have their football championship running right up into November. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, they are. Um, but look, you can't, we, you won't use it as an excuse either. It's just uh, something, I suppose, that would, uh, could, could potentially, uh, you know, we're, at the minute we're, we were having a reasonable season. We had a poor result against Down. We were disappointed with our performance there. But if that game had to go a bit better, you know, you'd be, you'd be saying we were in great shape. So, mm. like, you know, we want to end it well. Like, so, um, you know, you wouldn't, you'd hate for it to, it's kind of fizzle out, I suppose, when when you had a lot of good momentum and uh, good work done. Like you know, you you hate to see it undone because you know you didn't have the personnel you needed in time to prepare properly. So that was Johnny Maloney, Offaly and Tullamore footballer, looking back on the Blues' victory against Forban, the end of Forban's defence of the Dowling Cup. It means that we've got an intriguing final in O'Connor Park on Sunday week. It will pit the two most successful teams in the history of the Offaly senior football against each other. Tullamore hoping to win their title number 28, while Road have the chance to move on to 30. Also coming up in two weeks' time is the Senior B final, Brian Gavin. We had two pretty dramatic semi-finals in the second grade in the football too. And in the end, just about... Gracefield and Doro qualify for the final. Yeah, uh, Doro and Tubber here Saturday took on a whole new meaning in GA. It was just, it had had everything. Like, it started sort of a slow pace. The Tubber were playing with the wind in the first half and Bernard Allen was their main go-to-man and, you know, the, the leg comfortably. But Doro then with Billy Fogarty, who started in place of, like, Doro were decimated with injuries. Both Alan Gagan, Jack Fogarty, Michal Mooney were all missing. Brian Dignan couldn't start through injury. You know, and that's why I was just saying of the dual clubs, it's catching up in Ballinamere and Doro too, both in hurling and football. But Billy Fogarty, they got 1-1 one, one, then to keep Dura again it going they got another great goal by John Murphy put them in the sense he playing again the, the, the wind but a t- fierce turn and point three or four minutes before half time ball under the stand uh, a really good shoulder by Bobby O'Dea uh, on the full back Eddie Kavanagh from Tupper but I think he followed through the second time we hadn't a clearer view of it on the commentary and uh, the referee Chris Dwyer after speaking with his linesman uh, Jackie Longworth issued a red card and he's going to be a huge loss for Dora is Bobby O'Dea but the second half then Tubber roared back into the game got level at one stage and at the end uh, Dora were going through a great save by Jimmy, Jamie Colgan and the ball brought back down Dora pressed again and unfortunately for Jamie who had a fine day for Tubber just a hand pass went straight into the hand of Kevin McDermott and he clipped it over the bar for Dora to win by a pint who had 14 men and one would say probably in the overall balance of the game Dora were probably just about the better team but Tubber will absolutely shoot themselves in the foot with 12 wides and it was a great chance and one would feel for the Tubber men year in year out here in the semi-final they just yeah. can't get that who do off their back to get to a county final and uh, but then yesterday we had Ballycumber rejuvenate after taking a hammer again Dora in round one really different outfit yesterday trained ferocious hard the last four or five weeks under Colin Quinn had their act together, done all their homework. Major blow for Gracefield before the game. Jack Welch couldn't start. And Ballycumber led five points to one. Uh, Gracefield then had to go to the big man on the sideline with Jack Welch. 
in he went full forward with that one tree within the space of no time. Him and Jamie Evans linked. And the brilliant Niall Smith was back in the middle of the field, Lord, and it yesterday. And uh, such a class player. And Craig Dunn and Niall Smith, middle of the field yesterday, would remind you maybe of Willie Bryan and one of the best midfielders that I ever had in Offaly. And, and they mopped up. But fascinating. Gracefield pulled away near the end and they won comfortably. But Ballycumber had them on the ropes until Jack Welch came in, that's for certain. Just need to get something going here for the Belmont. Man, that's a real dangerous ball dropping in in front of the goals now. Who's going to get the flick here out of it? That ball broke to Kelly. Kelly's a great chance. He takes the shot. Oh, it's, it's in the back of the net. It's in the back of the net. Yeah, Oshin Kelly, he's been pros, posing a lot of problems. He makes a good connection. Just inside the 45 metre line, he lifts. He strikes again. It's a massive ball. Dropping in towards the goals. Dropping in, dropping in, dropping in. Oh, well batted away. Here's a chance here for the corner forward. Murphy. Murphy takes the shot. Right, got the goal. Oh, lovely goal there by Johnny Murphy. In the second, Stephen Lighting grabs that ball. Lovely ball inside the world. Pilkin. Pilkin and hands a lovely ball inside. Burr on the attack. This is uh, Lines. A man outside him in. Surely a goal. It is indeed a great goal there for Barry Harding. A ball buried to the back of the net. That was a great work there. Goal. So, ball out this side. Cooler, you're trying to clear the lines. They're under pressure in all pitches. Burr are working. And here comes Lines going through. Nile Lines taking on. Coming to him is David King. Still Nile Lines. Can he shorten the grip of the hurley? Can and he buries it to the back of the net. And that is a huge turning point in the game. The second goal. All right, you're very welcome back to the podcast. Uh, we're going to make an honest admission here. Our recorder earlier on ran out of battery when we were in the middle of talking to Brian Gavin. We were doing the end of the Senior B football. We're going to do a full preview of the Senior B football and the Senior football next week, ahead of the final the week afterwards. But we're going to turn our attention to hurling. You got a bit of a taster of the hurling semi-finals there uh, with thanks to Offley GATV who are making their footage available to us on the uh, podcast here which is uh, great to have that link up with Offley County Board. Joe Troy then had to leave O'Connor Park we were recording earlier uh, so we're now back in Castle O'Callaghan recording the hurling part of this preview and Joe explain for those who are watching the video on YouTube why you've had this costume change. Yeah, so look, tight for time, uh, the consummate professional, sort of a father's head moment, but at the race away, Harley Junior practice match in Gracefield under lights, the quarter past eight, race back here, of course, with the COVID, no shower facilities, so we're in the togs, we're in the jersey, but we're going to finish it to get our first podcast out on time, so we have to be honest. <laughs> right, no bad thing for you. People who are watching video can't see me currently because we don't have two cameras uh, in the setup that we've got in the house. But you've got Joe on screen uh, to take us through all of the hurling action this coming weekend. Uh, we'll start with the senior hurling itself, Joe, because Belmont have come very close to reaching an awfully senior hurling final sponsored by Malloy Environmental Systems, but have come up short over the last three seasons. Is this the year they beat KK and get through to a final? Yeah, well, it's a year they'll have to be KK because, you know, I know Trevor Fletcher, the manager, quite well. He was going to leave possibly at the end of last year. Players wanted him back. There's a good bond there. He's getting a good tune out of them, but there comes a time for any club and they have to go to the next level. Like Belmont beaten by, in three semi-finals by a point in all three, it becomes a frustration. Can you get over the line? They are well-placed to do it. They're facing a KK team who are somewhat going through transition. You know, you see Kevin Grogan coming in a sub, uh, Jerry Helian, Kieran Slevin, then conversely, you see Kyle Kiley now taking the freeze. He's become a main figure in that forward line. You have Jack Screeny in there. You know, you have Dylan Murray back after being away out of the picture last year. You still have that solid, you know, Backline, Jordan Quinn really stepping up to now at fullback. Damien Clamartin, the linchpin there at centre back. They have a couple of senior Bs possibly to step up after they exited the championship. The likes of James Gorman in particular to come in as another option. They have a mixture of youth and experience, but again, now will be a perfect time for Belmont to capitalise. Mm. They're going to be hugely disappointed with the football. That's to an extent of distraction gone. 
they're playing that game in Borough where Belmont will probably enjoy more success than, uh, than Kilcormick Kalahi have over the last few years. I think they have Ushin Kelly not just in red hot form that was never a problem with Ushin we have a consistent Ushin Kelly every game of the championship now he's starred Joe Matter coming back has been a huge fill up he got four points in play the last day scored a goal that was disallowed you know an argumentative point but again Joe Matter brings physicality he's as good a hurler as he is a footballer you know I know he maybe he probably is a notch above as a footballer but he adds so much at Belmont um, forward unit so is it coming the hour coming to men and if Belmont can get over this the hardest thing to probably do is win the final and then have a free shot at winning a county final can they get over line yes do I think they will if they can get a good start possibly I just think KK have been there tried and tested they're 3 out of 3 they're going reasonably well they have new ideas there with Tom Murphy and his manager uh, they have a stronger panel now KK they're able to bring in that experience to see them through and I think if Belmont can rattle a goal or too early nearly put the game to bed I'd say didn't go on and win it but I do think if KK get them down the home straight with 10 or 15 minutes to go seeing Jerry Healing coming in seeing Kevin Grogan coming in seeing Kieran Slevin coming in possibly James Gorman I just think that experience might just carry KK over the line Yeah because look KK are tough as old boots despite the young players who are coming in there's so much experience there you mentioned that Jerry Healing plays a slightly different role than he would have almost a decade ago when they were in All-Ireland mm-hmm. Club Final uh, but he can be an effective player for them coming in and we saw the impact that he had in the last round yeah and even before that uh, in the early rounds again Boer he came in went straight in at full forward caught ball laid off ball worked a goal like Ger has also hurling the forward line inter-county for Offaly so it's not a foreign concept to Ger Healing to be at the other end of the field he's made full back his over the last what 16-17 years but he has been a versatile player I just think when you have someone like that coming in running at you at pace and power it's very hard to stop it Belmont probably having the biggest backline in the world they're not very organised very dogged very thorough but I think when you have like the experience of Kieran Seven and Ger Healing to come in after our start them and bring on the young lads it becomes a different proposition so I think just Ger, the, that ability to pull a couple of rabbits out of the hat will work in KK's favour mm, It's an intriguing game I mean two big physical teams do we make anything of Kilcormick Lai's record in St. Brendan's Park given that you know a lot of KK's yeah. success was in O'Connor Park I'm sure some people would bring this up as an issue Yeah and the, like a lot of them will openly say they don't like hurling in, in Boer when you go to a ground where you've been beaten a good few times and you don't maybe perform and even the size of the pitch, you know, KK, O'Connor Park has been their home practically the last 10 years because every time they've got to the knockout stages and the bulk of their group matches, you know, involving other teams has been played over there, they become used to their surroundings. It's a different pitch. It's maybe a faster pitch, um, Borough maybe tighter confines. I know Borough a big open pitch too, but not to the expanses of O'Connor Park. But alternatively, you'd say that Belmont would probably relish O'Connor Park as well with the forwards and the pace they have too. But Belmont have played a lot of games in board. They've also lost a good few games in board. I think the venue comes into it, definitely. But I think KK will know they've played in pitches all around the county. If they want to get another Sean Robbins you know, in, in the cupboard in, in the clubhouse in Kilcormack, they're going to have to perform in board. It's as simple as that. But I do think conditions will suit Belmont they've hurled a good few games in there over the years I think Belmont will be fired up I think this is the crossroads for this team you'd forgive them the first one or two three becomes three semi-finals too many four just becomes okay we're in the nearly men category so 
Belmont have to come. They'll be organised. No one will know KK inside out better than Trevor Fletcher. He'll have his matchups right. I do wonder who they're going to put on Ushin Kelly. Um, who who's going to man market? It won't be Alan McConville for this year. We'll say height difference. It's I the think, size difference there. Yeah, yeah, I think I think McConville will pick up the likes of a David Cox because McConville is a brilliant defender. Um, it's very hard to get your matchup right with Ushin Kelly given the pace and power. Jordan Quinn very strong there. Possibly would be my man to follow him, but. You know, do you move a fullback if Oshin decides to drift out to the wing? You also have Ender Grogan there, a noted man marker as well. But just to get your matchup right, Oshin is so strong in the air. There's plenty of big men who aren't great in the air. Oshin is very strong in the air. But if you focus then, like Rhinus maybe done shutting Oshin out, if Belmont have, you know, your Joe Matters, your David Coxes, your David Kennys, you know, Ronan McAvoy, these lads to come in and pick out off scores, Colin Egan, then it opens it up. Well, Belmont have done this before. I mean, mm. I remember a few years ago when Belmont played against uh, Burr and Paul Cleary dropped back in, obviously there for yeah. you know a good physical matchup against Ushin Kelly. And then deliberately the Belmont management told Ushin Kelly to go for a little walk around the pitch. And then Burr have moved one of their better players around and Ushin Kelly has dragged him out to an area of the pitch where maybe he wouldn't be as comfortable as being a fullback. I appreciate the Pauls now playing a yeah. totally different position at this stage. But the point being at the time that they made a matchup to try and uh, stop Ushin Kelly and Belmont's management were happy enough to just move them around. Yeah, and like, I also think all the focus will be on the likes of the Belmont forwards, what they'll do. But it's that middle third where you throw in Damien Egan, Leon Fox, Mark Egan, um, David Kelly. I know he suffered a bit of an injury in the football. Mm. If, if Trevor Fletcher has a clean bill of health, there's a launch pad for getting their long-range scores. So if everyone's expecting this Route 1 to come in on top of the likes of Oshin, that's grand. Belmont will just retreat back, start popping over a couple of long-range scores, let KK step up a bit. Then that's where you look to hit David Cox, Oshin, Colin Egan, because you're talking about very, very strong players in the area. You have David Kenny team at, with puckouts. You have Joe Maher team now with puckouts. You have Colin Egan and you have Oshin Kelly. Four lads, all six foot two, six foot three, well capable of winning their own ball. And they're the one team in Offaly that can physically take on Kilharm Kalahi as well. And they have the skill to match it. I just think it's the most fascinating game of the weekend. We probably know what we're going to get in terms of consistency out of Borough and Rhinus and the other semi-final. We'll talk about that in a couple of moments. But I do think this is the game that KK probably didn't want either. This is the game Belmont probably relish. And if Belmont if Belmont can get over Kilharm Kalahi and get over the semi-final hurling, I actually think they'll go on and win the final. Mm. But... Obviously, if they don't, they won't have a chance to do. But I just think it's actually the mental block of getting to the final. They go to O'Connor Park. They play in the expanses there. I think that'll suit them. But they will have to get over Kilcormac Kalahi. But they have to get over that semi-final hoodoo first. Yeah, sometimes it feels like you're shadow boxing against yourself when you play a team who have such a similar approach mm. to the game. And that's what makes matchups often make very interesting games. Uh, the second game, as you mentioned, is a repeat of last year's final. I would imagine the Burr is still having nightmares about the way that that second half played out because mm. they were in a couple of total winning positions and then the scores just dry up against Rhinus last year. And that was the worry I had about Burr earlier on the year. Like I'd be talking to a lot of Burr guys, the local town, you'd be getting the feeling for Hurling. I've often met Barry Whelan, we've conversed about Hurling for hours in Super Value, but Burr's ability to close out matches was the worry. And I seen that in the first round of the championship against Kilcormick a lot and I was like, okay, have Burr progressed or are they still at a stalemate because they ran up a seven or eight point lead early in that game next thing KK bring in the subs I know that's a credit to KK as well mm -hmm. but Burr faded out of that game now obviously words were had probably I'd say Barry laid down the law Burr started to go and give the youngsters a chance start to blood them in they came out again Sir Kieran, a completely different team and you could say, okay, they got the run on Sir Kieran, but the way they dismantled Cool Derry and it was a complete dismantlation of them just 
seems to me that Bor have turned a corner. Owen Cahill isn't shouldering the burden of the whole scoring form. Still lethal. Still, I was going to say, still the top scorer in the championship. Yeah, champion. but it's been spread around. Like last year, we were looking at maybe Owen Cattle getting 113, 15 points, 16 points, and maybe three or four more scores coming around it. Now, against Sir Kieran, you had eight players, different players score from midfield up. Brendan Murphy's in the form of his life at the minute, consistency throughout. Uh, you have a couple of lads, like maybe gunning for the hurler of the year category inside a bar. They have options. The younger lads have progressed. Um, Nile Lines had a, you know, a debut against Kilcormac a physical game. Didn't work out for him. Mm-hmm. And next thing, you leave a player like that in the line, not trust him again. Barry Whelan shows trust in him, shows trust in the likes of Newt Lo- Luke Nolan. Rory Carty has been immense, I think, for, for Burr. He probably doesn't get as much credit because he just seamlessly got into that Burr team and has nailed down a spot. And all of a sudden, these players are having options. You know, Paul Cleary, Sean Ryan have been carrying injuries. Young Joe Ryan came in as well. I think he's a fine player. I've seen him in the under 20s. I know Brendan's lost that, but very, very good at wing back. And Barry now all of a sudden is not afraid to, if Sean Cleary or Sean Ryan rather, or Paul Cleary are injured, you know, take them off and bring them in with 15 minutes to go. From what I'm hearing, Bor now with a clean bill of health. So that means they have 15, their best 15 to start. They have three or four lads to come in. Stephen Lonergan was injured in the game against Sir Kieran in the warm up, couldn't start. And man of the match last against Kuleri. So when you have ball winners like that, when you have game changers now, I think that year and six months has brought them young Burr guys a good solid winter, a good platform, and now they have confidence and they're playing for Barry. Um, I always have said it to you time and time again, I think Burr, their back seven, probably arguably pound for pound the best in the county. I think this game comes down to St. Rhinus. I've gone with youth as well. Aaron Kenny and Luke O'Connor. They're flying it into two corners. Now you're coming up against arguably the two best man markers in the championship in Oshin Murphy and Jimmy Irwin. So if they can shut them down, that's a big fill up in Boris Cap. What do they do with Sean Dolan then? Because he is, without a doubt, the most effective Rhinus forward in terms of what he wins, frees he wins, scores he's getting. Such a hard man to stop when he gets going. Unbelievable. And this time of year, he is the ultimate hard dog for the road because like Sean Dolan... Even if Reynas are in a dogfight, he puts his hand up. If Reynas are winning by 10 points, he's scoring 1-4. But he's just, his willingness to work is unbelievable. He reminds me probably of what Conor Matten was doing early in his career as well, where he was winning the bulk of the ball, uh, getting some scores, but he was, you know, the driving force of that team. And that's what Sean Dolan is for Reynas. And it's on a game in a championship match where you're looking out to someone give me a bit of inspiration here and it's Sean Dolan on the ground after being poleaxed or it's Sean Dolan after getting a score or creating a goal Stephen Cork is back in very good form and we haven't even spoke about Dermot Horn is togged the last two games hasn't played we know his impact in the final and semi-final last year Kieran Flannery coming in a sub Gaza Kelly coming in a sub they offer you something if the weather changes if the weather breaks you want to decide put who wants to see Gaza Kelly maybe going in full forward? He'll always pick you a pint or two out the field. Flannery, again, a physical presence. Horn, looking at his Instagram page, you know, with the lifestyle coaching and the fitness he's doing, in tremendous shape. You know, I, I follow him and I'm watching some of the gym programs he's putting up. He's coming. He obviously has proven last year he's able to keep his hurling in check when he comes back. I just think there's something different about this Bohr team this year. I would have maybe had my doubts last year and I might have made them public that I didn't think Bohr were scoring up, up, up front. They weren't consistent enough. Uh, I used to have a bit of slagging with the lads that I know on Bohr. But I think this Bohr team, there's a steal about them now. Um, I, th- I I actually think Bohr will win this game at the weekend. Um, 
Joey O'Connor, unless there's an appeal that I haven't heard about and his red card is overturned. Last minute DRA as we talk now at the moment if that was to happen. But it looks yeah. like he's going to be out. So if Joey O'Connor's out, that's that's a player that he's a game changer. Him and Ronan Hughes have a perfect blend midfield in terms of they break at pace. A goal can be worked out of nowhere. It's like Ronan Hughes in the county final a few years ago, 1-4 from play. Mm. They're breaking at pace. When you have a runner and an athlete of Joey O'Connor's capabilities not available, where does that leave your game plan Pat Cameron didn't hurl the last they should be back Stephen Wynn didn't hurl the last they with an injury should be back obviously people say well how are you not making Ryan as favourite for this game they will be favourites they'll be the bookies favourites I think Ryan has been very impressive this year I just think Borough playing with an edge and they're playing with hurt and when you're playing with hurt you're a wounded animal and I just think Borough will know to serious unfinished business they'll never get over last year's county final until they go and bring the Sean Robbins back to the town of Borough and I do think they're well-placed to do it. I just think they put in a lot of work over the lockdown. They're in tremendous shape. Like I said, I've gone going shopping the bar and I've seen lads down in the Cam Car Park. I've seen lads, you know, running up from the Ross Gray Road. They were doing time trials around the town. They put in the work. You know, Colin Maroney's their captain there. They're scoring well. You know, they're picking off those points that they're not looking to own cattle to get the bulk of the scores. Brian Watkins hurling the form of his life Dylan Watkins matured into a fine fullback I think Oshie Murphy is is the best man marker in this county He, but he also gives Bor an edge he's raw he's he's different like you need a character on every team like there's a say down and carry a bit of a bio and Oshie and Kelly got in a bit of an entanglement with Joe Bergen in the in the group game helmet ripped off and he pumps them up you know he plays on the edge and Bor feed off that energy when you have those young lads coming in as well now all of a sudden Borough have options whereas before you were looking at 12-13 guys here the other couple maybe not quite cutting the mustard half in the options and Borough kind of went through a period there of not having youngsters to feed through now their underage setup is going well you know they have a good 17 team they have an under 13 team beating in the county semi-final yesterday they have a good 15 team they're all progressing through and all of a sudden now Borough are building where I think they'll be back up where Awfully hurling needs them and where Borough need to be themselves. I could be totally wrong on this one, but I'm gonna call I'm gonna call Borough being the county final Oof. this year. So you think it could be Warren Belmont then? Yeah, it, it I am not Great so semi final sure. last year if that was a yeah, final. I'm not, I'm not so sure about the KK Belmont match yet. Like and I'm in no way dismissive of Rhinus. I think Rhinus are a super, super outfit. Um they've been the form team the championship this year. By in, I mean if Borough are to get over this line this is going down to the wire and maybe Borough will get the bit of luck at the end of the game but if there's a doubt over Pat Cameron if there's a doubt over Stephen Wynn if Joey O'Connor he is gone you know let's call a spade a spade if they're down one or two more at any given stage and the forwards don't get the space you know it's very hard to coach these options to come on we spoke about what they have to come on but Rhinus will need everyone in the physio room this week getting right because they cannot afford to be playing their great rivals Bor without a full complement. Bor had their injuries coming to the Coolary game. They got over and got over quite convincingly. Whereas Rhinus, I just think Joey O'Connor's loss is is huge. And I do think if Aaron Kenny and, and Luke O'Connor come out of the traps early, get scores on the board and have Jimmy Irwin and Oshie Murphy in trouble, totally different game. I just think that the defensive unit of Bor they hurt, now, bear in mind they held Rhinus fairly well last year until Stephen Quirk and Dermot Horn came into that match Borough had a complete lockdown on that Rhinus forward Plus unit. they got into an arm wrestle at that point because once the lead started to get tighter and tighter naturally a certain amount of anxiety kicks in hmm. that your lead is starting to slip away and next thing it became 
every free getting contested over and who was going to get the next score well Burr didn't play their lead like they had a big lead no and it's it's a confidence thing as well but I think Burr have been around the block long enough you look at the experience of that team while there's a, a good cohort of them that haven't won county finals you have you know Sean Ryan Paul Cleary Stephen Lonergan Brian Mullins all these guys that have been there and they want before their careers end like Brian Mullins is not staying hurling with Burr just for the enjoyment of it he's hurling to win a title at Burr like I uh, the hurt that man probably went through Oh, after the service he's given Burr since 1996 and he's like a cat in the goal he's a freak of nature but the organisation he has at that Burr team and I know he adds a bit to the management side of it in terms of coaching like Burr need to get over that line they need to win the Sean Robbins because it's much like Manchester United in the soccer people expect Burr to be at the business end and I just think when they're a wounded animal and there is something different about them this year I was very honest I called the last year I thought they were just fading out of matches they hadn't enough up front but this year I just think I just think if Bor can get over Rhinus um, in the way I expect them that they will I just think the Sean Robbins could finally be waking its way back towards the town Right the Senior B semi-finals in many ways feel like finals this year yeah. because of the promotion situation it may as well be like two county finals I know there's a piece of silverware which is going to be available in a couple yeah. of weeks time when the final comes around but ultimately whoever wins gets up into senior hurling for next year so there's huge stakes on the line with these two games this weekend uh, we'll look at Claudia Gales against Kennedy first I don't want to put you under pressure while you're wearing a drum pulling <laughs> uh, top in the video for anyone who's watching the YouTube version of this uh, Claudia Gales against Kennedy um, Kennedy were really good during the group stages mm-hmm. um, Claudia Gales didn't put too many feet wrong along the way either but Kennedy determined to try and get straight back up to senior level which is the aim that they're going for here John yeah, look, much like Sir Kieran last year, there's no doubt that Kinnity are probably the best team in the championship. They have the form to show it. Um, look, we happened to get over them in, in our last group game, but Kinnity were already assured through. Um, you know, and sometimes when you have having a stake to play for in the last rounds, you can be overturned. Look, make no doubt about it, Claudia Gales will fancy their chances against Kinnity in O'Connor Park. They're a very, very hard team to break down Claudia Gales when they get space because they have such pace up front. Do you know, you look at the likes of Joey Keenan, the Langtons, the Wayne Dunn, they're all diminutive players, but they're so lively, they're so quick, they carry the ball at pace. And the funny thing about them is, and we've spoken to the Langtons several times in interviews over the years, they play on confidence. They actually fear no one. When you fear no one and you hurl with great freedom, it makes it very easy to perform. Like, Claudia Gales had one disappointing result in the group, but they bounced back so impressively against Tullamore the last day. You know, Paul Murphy's over them. He knows the players in awfully inside out as well. While Kennedy will be hot, hot favourites going into that game, and it's such a pressure game now, because as you rightly said, two teams coming up, essentially you have a pair of county finals this weekend in both the Drunkhull and Tullamore game and Claudia Gales and Kennedy. So, what do we expect to come out of that game? I just think... The longer the Claudia Gales can keep themselves in the game, maybe get a goal or early, it asks the questions of Kennedy because, make no doubt about it, Kennedy are the team to beat. The pressure is on Kennedy. They're such a traditional hurling, you know, stronghold in Offaly. Uh, they're playing a good brand of hurling and they have some fantastic players that they'll know the importance of bouncing up because much like when Drunkullen got relegated and he was a part of a senior team that done that twice, when you go down and your favourites come back up, there's a target on your back. And every year that you don't get back up to the top table, it gets very, very hard. Confidence becomes an issue and you don't want to stay down there. I think Kennedy are well-placed to bounce back up. But again, as you said, there's a cup at the end of it. But next Saturday and Sunday are two county finals for the four clubs involved. Make no mistake about it. But I do think 
even the loss to Woods will have sharpened Kennedy's ideas. They were qualified regardless. But I think, much like we talked about earlier, Kennedy will be wounded because their pride might have been hurt in defeat, even though it was a game they hadn't much to play for. But I, Claudia Gales are by far without a chance here. Um, we failed to get over Claudia Gales in a couple of knockout games over the years. I know from experience what they can bring, but they are playing the championship favourites. So, look, I do expect Kennedy to you know open back up if they can hit Claudia Gales early, get themselves settled into the game. You know, I expect one of either us or Tullamore to be meeting them in the county final. Right. Well, obviously, you're going to be entirely unbiased when you give me your opinion on how Drum Cullen are going to get on against Tullamore. I wonder for Tullamore and some of their dual players who are involved in both teams, there's a huge opportunity for them over the next few weeks because the football will be on the one side. We were talking to Johnny Maloney a bit earlier on in the pod. Uh, that's a huge game for them to come up against Road. But the hurlers can get back to senior level if they were to beat Drum Cullen this coming weekend, too. Yeah, and look, I probably, look, there's no doubt I would have studied Tullamore. Um, I would have went through both panels today, actually, this morning um, before work, just to see the actual crossover because people would have wondered, you know, would it have taken a lot out of the Tullamore players yesterday? But there's not that many. There's maybe four that are not even all starting on both teams. You know, like Shane Dooley, obviously, is, is the key one because he's been coming more and more crucial to the footballers as the year has wore on towards the business end. And obviously, he's the main focal point, the best attacker on, on show the two teams on paper. And I'm sure as well, Joe, Mick Fenley would be delighted to see Dooley getting all these games into his legs ahead of the campaign for the Gracie Ring coming up. And he looks in great shape. Like, he... Obviously, we're going back to the highlights of TV, but Dooley, you know, showed a clean pair of heels in that goal he got in the last group game, bursting through. And like... Look, we've hurled against Shane Dooley all our lives at, at adult level. We know what he can bring. Like he's he's been probably he is been the best forward in Offaly over the last fifteen years up there himself, Brian Carroll and, and Joe Borgen. But you're talking about the person that scored the most for Offaly. I've, I've said it time and time before. Dooley sometimes doesn't get enough credit from maybe the press and and the local and national media. But like he's in the top ten scores of all time in the history of hurling in the championship. So you have to put massive respect on that man's well, name. Well, a lot of that time he was playing for Offaly in not particularly good times for Offaly either. Yeah, and look, I'm one of Shane Dooley's biggest backers. I hope to see him get plenty more scores in Offaly jersey. I hope he doesn't get a puck at the ball on Saturday. <laughs> I'll be totally honest about it. And, and Shane will know that. i say that the height of respect. But look, we're under no illusions going into the game. Obviously, I'm not going to speak too much about either side. But we played Tullamore last year. We thought we were evenly matched. And we got well beaten down in Clara. And again, we needed to win coming towards the latter end of the championship. Um, Tullamore have no fear of us. We think we're going reasonably well. We had... A, a very bad result in the middle of the game. We had a, a, a true test of, you know, strength and what was in inside our guys against Kennedy, and we just just about got over the line, and it didn't work out for Kennedy on the day. But you know, look, this is it's, it's a huge time for our club. You know, we're a traditional probably powerhouse of Offaly hurling, but it's a long a, we're a long time without success and meaningful success. And you know, people say. This is the golden year though, Joe. This is the year that the championship expands back for next year and it was extra chances for everybody. There it's is, double look this time. Oh yeah, we we look, there'll be, there'll be utter rejection and, and, and mass disappointment if we let this opportunity slip. But we've been there last year as well in thinking, you know, we hurled so well in a lot of games and then we didn't perform. It's it's maybe consistency, but like we know Tullamore inside out, they know us inside out. We've we've met so many times. It's gonna be who can just produce it on the day. Um it mightn't be the prettiest game in, in Ireland. It's in it's in Borough on on Saturday and you know it's two teams going that know what's at stake. Um there's a lot of respect between the two clubs. Um Look, Tullamore on the crest of a wave with the football, the way they're going. They're, they're such a proud hurling club as well. You know, it's like the 2009 success. 
they can just turn it on at a moment's notice and next thing you're beaten. So, yeah, look, it's our county final Saturday. It's Kennedy and Claudia Gale's county final on Sunday. It's a massive opportunity. You know, people say, oh, there's a big gap between the two teams coming up and what's up there. But you want to earn your right to dine at the top table and we want to give our supporters and our people something to shout about. We have a good underage structure coming. We always aim, you know, just to stay going, keep the thing going, keep numbers going, keep the panel going. We have 30, 40 guys. We've maybe 22, 23, 24 on our panel. We're all keeping it going. We're doing as best we can up there. And look, we're going out. We're under no illusions of what's going out. Hopefully, it'll it'll work out for us. But we know the challenge that the Tullamore put in front of us and on recent form, they're the favourites going into this one. So that's a look forward to the hurling. We'll park our hurling preview there. Games to look forward to this weekend. The first game at St. Brendan's Park in Burr on Saturday is the Senior B semi-final, Tullamore against Drumcullen. That's followed by the senior meeting of Belmont and Kilcormac Kalahi at half past four. And you've got a doubleheader at Bordenamono O'Connor Park this coming Sunday. First up, Kinnity against Claudia Gale's Senior B semi-final. And that's followed at half four on Sunday by a repeat of last year's senior decider, the reigning champion St. Rhinus up against Burr. So all that to look forward to. Tullamore were in the ladies football final in Offaly at senior level last weekend. They lost out to Nave Kieron, who've now gone six in a row and after that game last weekend I had the chance to speak to the Nave Kieron captain Amy Gavin Mangan. This uh, Nave Kieron team are very much making their own history after being crowned the All-Ireland Club Intermediate Ladies Football Champions last season too. Their captain Amy Gavin Mangan is here with me. Amy how are you getting on? I'm grand well how are you? Ah look I'd say probably not as well as you guys are in Nave Kieron uh, this weekend <laughs> Uh, given that it is six in a row that you run off now. I remember being in O'Connor Park when you won your first one and beat Road six years ago now. I remember yeah. talking to uh, Ellie and talking to Roisin on the pitch. Roisin, yeah. And they were saying, look, you know, this is a great breakthrough success. We've had all this underage victories, but now we finally got one yeah. as an adult player. What's it feel like at this stage to have run off six in a row? Oh, it's unbelievable. Like the feeling just really doesn't change every time. And like this year, just getting to the final as well was just a massive thing for us this year. Just the fact that we actually got to play it like with everything going on now, um, it was just, it's just an unbeatable feeling really. Like the first one you said there, um, six years ago now, that same weekend we had an under 16 final. So like to be still kind of winning and then the younger girls winning, like it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of pressure too because having become All-Ireland champions, having won your second Leinster, there's a target on you when you go out to play in the county at that point because you're All-Ireland champions. Yeah, exactly. And I honestly think that for this one, anyway, I was um, the most nervous because I don't know if it was to do with captain, but just the, like you said, the added pressure on it, um, just because we had that um, kind of standard to maintain and withhold. And if we could, like, we obviously won the All-Ireland there last year. And if we couldn't go out and win our county then the following year, like, we didn't want to be kind of going downhill and everything. So I'm just delighted that we maintained it and got the win again. In terms of trying to maintain that, I mean, COVID-19 has been such a distraction and this pandemic. Was it difficult to have a start to a year and then have to kind of keep on going into the second half of the season after having such a long break? Yeah, look, well, at the start of the year, we kind of had goals and we knew what we wanted to do. And obviously the first um, goal was to win the county final. Um, but like, we're just not knowing whether we were going to get to play it at all or get there and play it at all was kind of annoying. But um, yeah, look, I'm sure everyone has to deal with it as well. And it's no, it's not as if we were any different to any other team. Um, so it's just, yeah, it was annoying. But sure, look, we've, we're over that now. 
you bounce back with a determination to try and stay successful. It, it is that thing about trying to just stay hungry as well as part of all this, because, you know, when you've won medals, understandably, teams can drop a few percentiles along the way. But I remember when I chatted to you after the All-Ireland final last year, there was a real feeling, despite being a young team, that you didn't want to stop there at five in a row and an All-Ireland medal. Oh God, no, yeah. And we're out in now the senior championship in two weeks' time and we just, we want to make our name. We want to actually put our foot down and show that we should be senior and that we can actually compete in senior. Like we weren't happy stopping at um, Intermediate All-Ireland. We do want to go and eventually win the senior All-Ireland. And look, it's not going to come this year anyway because there is no All-Ireland series. But in the next couple of years, that will be the end goal. So um, yeah, we won't be stopping anytime soon anyway. When it comes to that standard, you have to wait and see what happens in the final in Leash between Port Leash and Sarsfields this coming weekend uh, before you're back out in two weeks' time. Um, but it is going to be a step up. You're going up against those teams. You know, Roger Bridge are going to be on the other side, Fox Rock Cabinteely. You're going up against uh, teams who are a bit more seasoned, probably even in Leinster senior competition. This is a, a brand new step for you. Yeah, absolutely. And to be fair, we weren't, like the games last year in the Leinster series were tough but we weren't tested too much um, until it got to the All-Ireland stages. And so we only won the All-Ireland by two points, I think it was. So that was kind of the toughest in that series. Um, so yeah, it will be a complete another step up. But um, I do think we're ready for it. And I do think that it'll only make us better. And from then, we can kind of see where we are and then plan our goal for the next few years. Um, and when we want to go full throttle for the All-Ireland, I suppose. It's been fairly kind of week on week uh, for a lot of your players, particularly your camogie players who are going to be out next weekend in their final with St. Rhinus too. Uh, but even from a ladies football perspective, the season got back underway. A lot of games had to be run off in a short period of time between uh, the, the comeback and the final, which was played the weekend just gone by. Um, was it difficult having to condense that in as much as you did? Because I presume on a normal year, there's a bit of the intercounty, there's the break, you kind of ease back into the club championship. But just the nature of 2020, things had to be condensed into a shorter period. Yeah, look, well, I actually really like having um, a match week on week, but it is awful tough on the Camogie girls. Um, like, it's very, very hard. And then we have the girls playing at Rhinus, and then we have the other girls playing at Kilcormock. Um, but I suppose it's nothing that they're not used to now at this stage as well, um, considering they played the two Leinster finals last year on the same day. Um, but no, we're I'm happy about it anyway. And um, I do think it keeps us on our toes as well. And it helps us to maintain playing game standard of football rather than just training week in, week out, waiting for the game. Um, because there isn't an awful lot of teams in the senior in Offaly. Um, so it is nice to get them all kind of one after another rather than waiting the long gap in between. Was it particularly special for you to be the captain and to receive the cup in Tubber last weekend as captain? Is it any different than the experience of watching someone else lift the cup in previous years? Yeah, oh, the added pressure and the nerves were awful, but um, no, it was different. But um, yeah, like I'm, I don't know, I kind of it was a bit nerve wracking, like. But um, and the, I was only saying to Colin, um, the manager there, that the last time I was captain for a county final, we actually lost, and I think it was minor or under sixteen, maybe a good few years ago, we lost by two points. So that was just kind of in the back of my head as well. But no, it was so special and. I was just delighted to be able to do it as well and just represent the girls um, taking the cup. So Colin has had a promotion then this year because he was always very keen to point out last year that he was a team trainer or he was an assistant to the management team. You've just called him the manager proper there. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if he'll be happy about that now. But um, yeah, poor Mikey, um, Colin's dad, so the, the manager last year, say, um, he had to get um, surgery on his knee. So he's been out of action. So Colin has kind of took the ropes now for the past couple of weeks. Um, and he really is taking hold of things this year, um, along with Porig as well, um, Porig Boland. Um, 
So, yeah, no, I suppose we could kind of call him a manager this year now. Well, Borac Boland has plenty of experience to help him on the sideline, but in terms of Colin being manager, it's probably one of the younger managers around the country currently. Maybe himself and Jamie Wall must be the two youngest uh, people on the sideline for games. Yeah, I'd say so, and especially to to have the success that he's having at that young age as well. Um, it's unbelievable for him, and it's unbelievable for us as well, but because he's like so close to our age and everything, I just think we have that much more respect for him as well. Um, as a person and as a manager as well so that kind of helps in the training sense because we just want to do good for him too and there's no like it's all honest then as well because we're all such good friends so um, no I think it's a benefit to us more than anything else anyway. Yeah because I'd imagine continuity wise you know Porrick and Colin were involved last year anyway so if you're going to lose your management you want to keep people around who were there from last season and they're both connected to this team you know they've got a daughter and sister respectively who are involved in the team. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they're that again. That probably adds more to it as well because they're on the team with us, and we kind of we don't want to disrespect them and and their families really at the end of the day. Um, so no, it is nice to have that little bond as well. So, did you get to enjoy it much this weekend? I mean, I know kind of the social distancing in terms of the pubs, the wet pubs are just about open again. Um, did you get to actually enjoy it this weekend? Because Roger Bridge was saying to us that they were going to have a kind of a small gathering, maybe not what they would have normally done when they won their first title last season, but 2020 just seems to have changed things a bit. Oh yeah, look, like it was just completely different. There was no, nothing was usual, nothing was the same. Like, um, But yeah, no, we, we'd kind of managed to enjoy anything now, to be fair, and we'd make our own fun. So um, no, we did. We got to enjoy last night now and we're all meeting up today again. So um, we'll make the weekend of it anyway. But yeah, no, it was different. But um, we just got together in um, a little pub. One of the dads, one of the girls' dads um, owns a pub. So he just did food for us and we just stayed there for an hour or so. And then we just kept it with ourselves and went on to a um, little party. So yeah, we did get to enjoy it. We're very lucky. Just in case anyone is checking, they were inside the 90 minutes and they had a substantial meal. Uh, so the two oh, of them have been ticked <laughs> off for the, uh, if the COVID officers are listening to us currently. Listening, um, yeah. I would imagine, Amy, you get back down to it though now, because even though, you know, what's going to happen with the All-Ireland is so much up in the air, Leinster is still there in a couple of weeks' time. As I said, you've got the least champions coming out to play in the next round. I'm sure the work probably begins pretty much straight away to try and get ready for them now in two weeks' time. Oh, absolutely. And we, we're not going into this match kind of saying, oh, look, it's senior championship now. It's another step up. So we'll just take it as it comes. We want to go out. We want to win this match. Um, and we want to get to the Leinster final, um, senior Leinster final, because we just think we're, we're able for it this year now. So, yeah, definitely. They, we'll get back to visits now tomorrow morning and go from there. We'll train hard this week and um, next week as well and just set up once we know oh, um, who wins that Leash championship. And then we'll have them. And we're lucky we have a home game as well too so um yeah we'll get right straight back to it now so that was Amy Gavin Mangan looking back at the ladies football final in the senior in Offaly last weekend uh, where Nave Kieran became the first team from the Fayetteville County ever to win six successive county titles in a row and they are now targeting a place in the Leinster final they will play Portleash or Sarsfields in the decider uh, Portleash are back in the Leash final this coming weekend where they take on uh, Sarsfields who have been the dominant force in the Amore County over the last decade or so. We're going to be having a chat about the Camogie final between Shinrone and St. Rhinus and Offaly in a moment. So we've got Ron Egan and Mairead Daly with us. And they had mixed fortunes on the ladies' football side of things last weekend. Ronnie, I might start with yourself. You were playing in the senior final for Tullamore against Nave Kieran. Uh, good to see Tullamore firstly back into a county final at senior level, having worked their way back up in recent seasons. But Nave Kieran, All-Ireland champions from last year, they're a hell of a side. 
Ostop, look, we were, I mean, the fact that we were disappointed to lose to them made us happy in a way, if that makes sense, that the standard they're at is just phenomenal. Like, and for us, like we stayed with them. I think there was a point in it at half time, and then uh, the two penalties and that kind of killed it off altogether. It didn't, the scoreline didn't really flatter us at all at all, but we weren't in our own heads anyway. We weren't as far off as the results ended up, but they're a different class. I mean, like they, they deserve to go on and to win the All-Ireland. Like they're just a, a whole different level altogether. How have you found the experience of playing for Tullamore then? You were telling me that you moved up for work purposes to teach in Tullamore and then naturally you went to play a bit of Gaelic football with them. Yeah, what actually happened was I, I got caught to coach football in school and I never played it in my life. So I said I may learn before I start teaching it. Um, so I got pulled in by Emma McInniff who promptly left the panel then not so long after it. And I've been there, I think this is my third year, I think, playing football now. I love it. Like It was a great way to meet girls and to kind of get to know people outside of it. Um, and it's really enjoyable to play. Like I feel no pressure. I don't know anybody. I don't know the teams or anything. Whereas in Camogie, it's small circles. You know everyone. So it's nice for a change. But absolutely loving it now. The girls are great. And it's funny, you know, when people come into a town, a GA club can be the kind of glue that brings people together. You've got a few players there that have come in from other areas to work in the town for whatever reason, and they've come in to all play in the one team now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Laura from Kerry, Laura Sullivan, has been a massive driving force. She actually ended up. Um, kind of helping with fitness training that she would have played for Kerry a few years ago and would have a lot of experience under her belt. She made a big difference in terms of kind of raising the level nearly of professionalism and that. Um, we've Sinead there from Sligo, girls from, or yeah, sorry, from Mayo, she'll kill me for that. Um, you know, we've girls from all over coming in and it's a great way to kind of get to know people and to mix and we've from 15, 16 year olds right up to, I won't say what the oldest one is, but you know, it's a good way to get to know people like. Mairead Daly, last time we spoke, you hadn't made your comeback at that point, but you have made your comeback now in recent weeks in both the Camogie and ladies football. And St. Rhinus are going back up to the top flight after winning the uh, second grade title in Offaly last weekend in the ladies football. Um, firstly, I'd imagine it must be great for you to be back and to be back playing again after having a couple of years of horrible times with injuries. Yeah, yeah. Um, God, I am so happy to be back. It's, uh, yeah, it was the longest year ever, I think, especially last year. I think the Camogie did so well that the year was just dragged the whole way till March. So it was, that was a long, long year. But uh, so I have to be back, um, especially like I was back playing Camogie the last month or two, but I couldn't get back playing football. Um, just was something up with the knee and we got that fixed. So I got back for the last few games and God, not beast, not beast playing. It's, um, it's unreal. You can do all the gym, everything, all you want. But when you get back playing with the girls and back on the team and stuff, not in beast it ever. Yeah. When we were talking earlier on, you were getting ready to go to physio. Is that a case of having to go through that for the knee or is this something that you'd be doing anyway? Yeah, I, we were actually doing a recovery session in Aspire. Um, just the game on Sunday was, on Sunday, on Saturday, was so hard. Um, just there's such a turnover of games. Like we've played five championship games in the last two weeks. So if you don't go to do the ice pass or whatever, like you'll be absolutely crippled. Um, but yeah, I still see physio, you're kind of weaning off. For now, which is kind of sad. Um, I love going up for the chats and stuff. Um, you get really close. It's your physio a year kind of going through the um, recovery together. But yeah, I'll just stay going for the next few weeks. I think it's every three weeks I go now and just tipping away just to kind of fix any niggles or stuff and make sure we're still on the right track. Yeah, I'd imagine it looked lovely to get your hands on a piece of silverware too. One thing I noticed in the pictures though, you take a shot at one point and I'm going to give Dave, Bowl and Dave Boylan all the credit for the pictures here. Someone else sneaks in on the line and puts your shot in. That wasn't a pass, was it? No, it was Kate Grogan. I tell you, I've never seen someone smile as much when they scored a goal. Uh, in her defence, 
like we were really up against it at that stage and I kicked it and I don't think it was going in. Um, but, um, no, I'd rather she got than I did. I've never seen someone smile so much. So, um, God, we really did a goal there. So it was great to get. It was like for Kate as well. Right. Well, it was like England international David Nugent who made sure on the line it wasn't going to trickle wide. Um, Red, <laughs> you mentioned it was difficult probably last year and I don't mean to dredge up bad memories here, but it can't have been easy when your team wins back-to-back Leinsters and then goes on to win an All-Ireland semi-final and gets a day at Crow Park. You were always there kind of in the pictures as, you know, helping with the water or being on the kind of extended panel and being around there. But it can't have been easy for anyone to miss out on that kind of experience of your mates going to Crow Park to play in a final. Um, no, it was definitely, I think, the toughest year I've had in my whole life. Um, like, yeah, the, the amount of emotions you feel is absolutely bizarre. Like, you're, like, you go to work, then you go watch the girls training, then you go to the gym, then you go home, go to bed, do the exact same thing every day. So, like, you're really drained all the time. But, um, geez, it was great watching the girls do so good. Um, they played so well. Um, like, we struggled with loads of different injuries, loads of different things last year, and see them pull through was absolutely unreal. Um, like I was so proud of them. I was sad for myself, obviously, but um, I didn't really need sympathy from anyone. I give myself enough, you know. So, um, no, just happy to get through the year. Happy to be back now. Like, it's amazing. Like, you look back and the year was so long when you were going through it and now it just seems like a little blip. It's, um, it's mad, but I'm absolutely delighted now. And, yeah, no looking back. Now look, we'll see if you can uh, get a start against Shinron this weekend. Grony, when it comes to this final, you look back on last year, it seemed until Kay Kenny kind of exploded to life in the final that Shinrome were about to get the better of Rhinus and wrestle away that title. Uh, but Rhinus were able to go back to back with a strong finish to the game. When you when you look back on that, it was pretty small margins in last year's final, wasn't it? Yeah, I think now Maria will probably correct me on this. I think it was like the fifty-eight minutes when they took the lead for the first time. Like we we started so well in the first 10, 15 minutes is probably the best we earned in a long time. It was going so well. And I think it was nearly I won't say like arrogance or anything, but I think we were we were kind of confident that we had this, and then it just it chipped away at it and chipped away at it. And like team of their standard, like they're they're never dead, they're never gone. Um, I think that was our our mistake. Um, that we we kind of let them come back into it, and like you said, Kay Kenny kind of came into her own, and we weren't as as prepared maybe as we should have been for that. But I like to think now we we have a bit of a better idea. Um, we played him a lot over the last couple of years and it's been tough every time. So I think now, you know, we have a fair plan of, of where we're going and what we're doing. Yeah, and Grony, you mentioned, <laughs> mentioned Murray coming back in and been a big boost for Rhinus. You know, Christine Cleary had an injury kind of earlier as the games were coming back. She's now back in, you know, your previous captain on the team. Uh, it must be great to actually have her back and, you know, firing ahead of this final too. Yeah, we, um, I don't know what it was. Hamstrings just seemed to be going left, right and centre for us. Um, and I think kind of across the board, just whatever way it was, um, but yeah, Christine, I mean, Michaela was struggling with it as well. Kelly Salmon is back in Worlds where she's been out for most of the year. She was out sick. And um, so having girls like that coming back in, it's such a lift for the team. And um, to have everyone back, it's such a boost. Like in Christine, when she's on her day, there's nobody more fired up than her. So to have girls like that coming in is fantastic. And it gives us all a bit of a lift. Mairead, it's a good rivalry between these two clubs now too. You've had your breakthrough success. There were so many kind of semi-final disappointments you would have had early in your adult career with St. Rhinus. You've managed to get a couple of titles and beat Chinron now in a few finals too. But uh, given that Chinron were so successful just before your breakthrough, this has now become the rivalry in the county. I remember when I was younger, it was from Cullen against Chinron. Chinron against Rhinus has become a proper rivalry now. Yeah, yeah, it's huge. And I don't know how, but he always managed to be in the finals together. Uh, but like as the years go on, it's getting closer and closer. Like as Granny said, um, it did a fiery start last year. 
and we were just caught on the hop and like the same we played Sharoni what a month six weeks ago and that was so close I think um god that match we were ahead they were ahead it just kept going back and forth and we just got a goal at the end again so um god it sets it up for a good final anyway um we've no idea what we will go so it should it should be good Mm, there you go 50-50 prediction from Ray going ahead of this one Grani do, do you look forward to uh, these battles with Rhinus uh, Grani when they come around I mean as I said you've been the top two teams in the county now for quite some time and particularly in the last few years there's only been a puck of a ball between you do you actually relish kind of going into a big game against each other then? Oh yeah we always look forward to it like we know it's going to be tough like there's no we're under no illusions we're going to walk in and just walk away with the cup that's never going to happen and it never has happened but um, no we do we look forward to the challenge of it and sure you want to be the best you have to beat the best and all the other cliches you can throw at it and the standard that Ryan has took it to last year you know has raised the standard for everybody else as well and we need to be pushing up to that so no we're absolutely looking forward to the challenge of it now anyway I don't mean to kind of bring up again any bad memories here Bronnie, but like Shinrome were so close in Leinster campaigns over the last decade or so semi-finals finals seemed the breakthrough was going to happen and you'd be the first Offaly club to kind of break through that door and become a Leinster champion didn't happen for you, but it has happened for Rhinus in the last couple of years. I'd imagine you'd be very respectful of the achievements that they've had in the last two seasons. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, it's massive. And being involved with County as well for the last number of years, kind of, there's a part of you that's going to see any club, awfully club doing well. It's fantastic for us. But then there's another part of you going, Jesus, that should have been us. You know, we, we were up against Michael and we lost by a narrow margin there a while ago. And that they went on to win the All-Ireland by a narrow margin. And, you know, you're looking at little things on the day, a hop of a ball, like. Um, so, yeah, it is. We do, obviously, we respect the girls and we know them all. As I said, Camogie Circles are small. We all know each other quite well and you can't but respect what they've done and the level they brought it to. So hopefully mm. we can get there. Mairead, one thing about the coverage, I mean, obviously the focus for both of you has been what happens on the field. But one thing that was good for me, ahead of knowing that I was going to chat to you, was that I was able to go back to YouTube and the semi-finals are there. So I was able to see Shinron battle with Killians and I was able to see Rhinus's game against Burr too. This has been kind of great for building a bit of profile because, you know, it's limited the amount of people that can get in, but maybe it would have been limited in previous years in terms of who could go to the games. It's great to be able to watch them back or actually watch them live. It's given a whole new kind of profile to things over the last while. Yeah, it's it's unreal. And I think for the likes, just with the way things are now, like my granny and granddad, who'd never be able to go to the matches, are sitting at home watching them and talking about the games and like all that type of stuff. Um, the amount of people tuning in is brilliant, but then you can see like all the time the views are going on, people are going back and watching them. And I think the standard of, I know they recorded the football there at the weekend, but the standards are so high and the games are so tight and so close that it's great for, great for Offaly Camogie and Offaly Football to be able to kind of show these things. Hmm. In terms of yourself, Mairead, as well, you've been working away in Eden Derry, kind of spreading the gospel with the stick in terms of hurling and doing a bit of uh, football with them too. Uh, it seems to me fantastic energy in the club in Eden Derry at the moment for both codes to uh, get the kids playing hurling and football. Yeah, Eden Derry's great. Um, I suppose when I went in, the hurling would have been kind of up and running. They have it up until under 13s, whereas there was no camogie at all. So now... In the last year, I think we have under 8, under 10, under 12 camogie now, which is class. So it's just looking to kind of build the numbers on them in both the hurling and the camogie. The numbers are good in the football, but it's, like, it's a huge, huge town. So that'd be the biggest thing is trying to get more and more numbers in and keep building up all the codes up there. Yeah, but it seems that they've got a very kind of determined plan is what I've noticed in recent years that they took a look at things, whether it was trying to get the grounds done firstly, now trying to build the sports within the town too, and just trying to integrate, I guess, people in to try and join the club and play. 
if that kind of organization is there in the background, I would imagine as a development officer, that makes your job a little bit easier too. Yeah, so much easier. Uh, that's the thing, like when I first met with Eden Dairy, they had exactly what they wanted to do, what they wanted me to do. And there's so many good people behind the scenes there. Like the way the club is run is unreal. Um, they're absolutely class. So like everything they want, um, I try my best to give it to them. But um, they know exactly what they want. And they're, like even they just got the Astro, a new Astro there. They have two pitches across the road. They have their main pitch. Everything they have up there is absolutely class. And they have the makings to be an unreal club. Do you reckon at some point we'll see an adult camogie team in Edenderry? Because, you know, it's been quite some time since kind of North and particularly North East Offaly would have had camogie. It'd be a huge boost for the county in terms of numbers. Could you see an adult camogie team happening in Edenderry in a few years' time? Yeah, for sure. Um, hopefully under 12s, we'll say going to under 14, 16s, minors and senior. Um, I don't see any reason why it shouldn't. Um, there's huge, huge promotion of camogie going on. All the executive committee, everyone wants camogie there. Um, it's not case that we went in and there was a lot of resistance or whatever. It's, it's exactly what they want. So I think they'll stay pushing all the time. We've great coaches there, great people behind it. So there's no reason why even uh, Mary won't have a senior team in a few years. Mm. Gronia, awfully Camogie is going to come around not that long away now either. I mean, you both get to play, you know, deep into the local championship. So it maybe delays the full work that you'd be doing with the county again. But are you looking forward to getting back into it, notwithstanding this very difficult group that you have, given that Galway and Cork are there? And Wexford is your uh, third game. Are you looking forward to getting back in and playing intercounty again too? Yeah, um, it actually, I think the train has started there this week already. They're back, they're back there without us. But um, I am looking forward to getting back in with the girls and kind of meeting the girls again. We know we have a serious task ahead of us. You know, you have less than a month to prepare before you're going to play the likes of Cork and Galway and that. And obviously with restrictions, it's going to be different. I mean, we're going to have to take two buses to matches and it's going to be quite limited in what we can do, say meals after matches has gone out the window and all that. So it will be a different kind of sphere we're going into to the one that we left. But hopefully still the standard, and particularly like we've, we've kind of alluded to it already, the standard of club camogie in Offaly has been so high. Like Lusmond and Cullen, who are bottom of senior, and I'm putting that in quotation marks because they were five points off us who were in the finals. You know, the difference is, is so, so narrow. And that will have pushed on, hopefully, the county. I know those girls have been called in who weren't in before based on what they saw. So um, hopefully that they, having the club and county separate, I personally think anyway, was brilliant. I think they got to see the players properly. We got to commit to club and to be there all the time, whereas normally you're in and you're out and you're standing out because you've matched at the weekend or you're missing bits. And so I thought that that was fantastic, being able to be in 100% with club and no distractions from it. Um, but it'll be good to get back into county and same thing, be able to train at that level again and meet up with all the girls that we haven't seen in so long. I appreciate uh, that Zoom is facilitating the conversation we're having right now, but I imagine, Gronia, you're probably sick of Zoom. Mairead let slip earlier on when we were getting ready for this. She had deleted the Zoom app, so obviously she was sick of uh, doing Zoom sessions during the pandemic. Uh, how have you found it, Gronia? I mean, obviously, it's been a way of kind of staying in touch, particularly early doors and all this. Um, geez, I had it deleted there for a while as well myself. Um, I think there was a phase during it where there was Zoom calls coming out our ears. We were just sick of it. Um, and trying to shake it up and do something different. I mean, we had Neil Buckley and Banner. I'm sure Ryan is guards on him as well with county. He was doing stuff. And like when you had the football and the camogie and the county and the club all doing Zoom sessions, it got to be a lot very quickly, you know. And the motivation kind of went up and down. Some weeks I'd no bother train every day, a couple of times a day if I could, and other weeks I had zero interest in it. So it was hard kind of keeping it going. Um, but no, it was, it was a good way of keeping in touch, as you said, especially when it was really strict lockdown. You couldn't go anywhere. It was, it was kind of vital. 
Miranda, I appreciate it. it's a good thing for me to probably ask you this on Zoom where you can't hit me if we were close enough within the two meters. But have you put any thought into intercounty this year or are you just waiting to see how the knee feels or what are you thinking of doing? Uh, loads of thought into it. Uh, no answers yet. Um, oh. I think how it's looking now is just get through a club. Like, sure, you don't know what way it's going to go. Um, I think for now, just club, get through this year. Like the, the amount of games we have back to back is insane. Um, this year, this, this week, I can feel it, you know. So I think just get through the club um, and then see how county goes. If I'm not playing, I think I'll go in in some sort of coaching aspect with the, the football, but um, no decisions made yet. Well, I was just thinking, right, if you were going to have your dinner, like I presume your dad at some point is going to go, you'd probably be pretty uh, handy. I mean, given that this is going to be a fairly short intermediate championship that we're going to play, particularly in ladies football, just come in and give me a couple of games here. I think Daddy knows not to talk about Offaly football to me at all. Um, we don't talk at dinner anymore. So he knows, don't mention it, don't talk about it. And he knows I'll just make up my mind whenever I want. But no, um, the knees will be my biggest thing, just keeping them right for this year. Um, if ever there was a year to just take a break and chill out, this is probably it with how short it is and stuff like that. Um, I don't want the madness of training matches stressing me out too much. So yeah, Daddy knows to keep quiet, don't annoy me, you know. <laughs> Like I guarantee you, right, middle of October, these games are going to be coming around. He's going to start ramping up the conversations at that point and say, look, sure, come on, I'll give you a lift down to county training. We'll just see how you find yeah, it. Yeah, I have the gear at the table. <laughs> like, I have a year. <laughs> Ladies, all I can do is uh, wish you both uh, the best of luck in Rath this coming weekend. It's uh, Shinron against St. Rhinus. The kind of epic rivalry continues as uh, St. Rhinus try and uh, retain their Offaly title and get another go at the Leinster Championship. Uh, thanks a million for joining us. And we'll hear now from Amory Guinan, who has been uh, casting her eye over who's going to win this weekend. This is what Amory had to say when I spoke to her a little bit earlier. To look forward to the final, we are joined by Offaly defender and also from Cullen Lusma captain, Amory Guinan. Amory, how are things? Good, how are you? I hope I'm not a defender for much longer for Offaly. I hope that that spell is nearly over, all going well. Well, look, we'll see if you can get moved into the forwards at some point. But when it comes to this final, you've played against both teams uh, in the last couple of seasons. I mean, these are the two best teams in Offaly on merit, not just for this year, but probably for the last two or three years. Yeah, completely agree, Will. Um, I think both teams are very similar in the way that they play and that's why um, they always end up in the county final. Um, Both have had their tactics on par and perfect every time in every game that they've played. They've tried new things throughout the campaign. Um, I suppose both sides, when you look at it, have really changed up their teams. Um, This year when we played St. Rhinus, for example, um, Grania Dolan and Roisin Egan were sitting around centre half back, both sitting in that role, um, which a role which was a role that Linda Sullivan and Roisin Egan would have sat in last year. Um, you know, Grania Dolan being a fantastic scorer, scorer for St. Rhinus. So I was a little bit shocked to see that and to see Linda Sullivan operating in the forward line. But Linda actually plays um, as a forward for the footballers. So obviously, um, they want to move her forward. They see what she can do and they've pushed her forward. And like that, which in Rome, when we played Shinron, Sharon Shannon was centre-back. And when um, Shinron played St. Killians in their replay, Marion Crean was centre-back. So um, both sides, I suppose it's it's a nightmare because your team is changing along the way, but it's also a positive because you have players to adapt and change and mark in different positions. Um, but yeah, both teams are very, very similar. Hold on to possession, short passing, quick runs, fast forwards, really strong forward lines. Um so I'd expect a really high scoring encounter again. 
And I would imagine, given the versatility these teams have, that adds some extra attacking options. Because if you think that Linda Sullivan's going to play in a certain position for St. Rhinus or, say, Michaela Morkin, you expect her to play in the half-forwards, maybe for Shinron, and these players move around to a different position, that causes another kind of tactical confusion for the other team going into the final. Yeah, exactly. Um, if you try to put a man-marker on Michaela Morkin, which is probably going to happen, and if you try to put a man-marker on Mairead um, Daly or Siobhan Flannery, um, and you put your strongest player full back on Siobhan Flannery and Siobhan Flannery wings moves out to the wing and you make, have a weaker or younger player sitting on, as wing back and they have to go in full back somewhere they're not familiar with of course that's going to cause upset for teams so again that's probably another tactic we'll see that players will move around it was similar to last year um, certain players picked up certain players like Marion Crane picked up Siobhan Flannery for the whole game and where she went Marion was right beside her um, Kelly Salmon picked up Kay Kenny which was I actually thought was one of the best options that Shinron did in last year's final and somewhere along the line they took her off her and then we seen what happened Kay Kenny did all the damage so um, I think this year if Shinron want to get over the line they're really going to have to get their tactics right from the get-go um, and stick to them throughout. Yeah, because you were covering St. Rhinus for us when they were in both the Leinster Championship and then their run to the All-Ireland Final. Kay Kenny, just after that final, seemed to just really explode. Her form was remarkable uh, last autumn uh, for St. Rhinus. I mean, again, Shinron, it seems such simple uh, logic, but they have to try and lock her down if they're going to have a chance of winning. Yeah, exactly. Like She is one of the most dangerous people in front of goals. But the other thing with that is, well, is St. Rhinus passed the ball so accurately from out the field? The midfielders half back line give the most perfect ball every time. And if you can put a ball into Kay Kenny or Siobhan Flannery's hand straight away, you're down or you're behind two steps. They have the speed and the capability to turn so quickly that straight away they're in the danger zone to pull a shot off. And that's something that um, Shinron are going to really have to try snuff out around midfield is um, stop those direct perfect passes going into those two danger women inside. I was looking at the Shinron team from the Killian semi-final replay and there's just mm. such a kind of a spine of experience that Shinron have. Players have been around for so long and that have played in Leinster semi-finals and played in Leinster finals and won multiple Offaly titles. Uh, they are a kind of a team for the long road here in many ways. Uh, even with Rhinus's uh, recent dominance, uh, Shinron are right up there alongside them. And you look at those players and everything they've won, you could never write them off going into a final. No, not at all. And I actually think this year they're um, really coming to the fore. Um, we had a very tough game with them in our group stage against them. Um, but they, you know, they turned on the style in the last 15 minutes and they blew us out of the water. And that's the experience they have. Um, they have a good mix of young players and older players. Um, you know, as you said, some people who are really experienced who will be able to push the younger girls on. Um, and then you have some youngsters coming up like Kate Bergen and Orla Maher who are really starting to shine. Um, and then you have the likes of, <clears throat> excuse me, um, Christine Cleary, who's just back from a hamstring injury, actually a very bad hamstring injury, played against St. Killian's and did damage. Um, Gron Egan also flying it for Shinron. Caitlin O'Mara, again, another player who hasn't actually been with Shinron that long, maybe one or two years, and was fantastic against St. Killian's. So, um, again, really, really strong forward line, going to cause headaches for that. St. Rhinus defence. And, you know, when it comes to injury recoveries, you know, St. Rhinus had the battle last year without Maria Daly because her knee had gone again. She's mm. back and has had the benefit of playing both football and camogie games in recent weeks and will probably be in contention, I would say, to start the final this coming weekend. And as you mentioned, Christine Cleary coming back in, you know, two key players who, you know, the respective teams have been missing that will be a big fitness boost going into this final to have them. 
Oh yeah, massive. Um, Murray Daly scored 1-1 against us in the group stages in the space of like a minute. Um, and I think that was her first championship game back. Now I'm open to correction on that, but she was fantastic um, when she played us. And I've also seen her yesterday. I actually watched the ladies football game. And again, we all know how talented she is at playing football. And it's just her agility, her moving, her dipping, her dive and her speed. She's just the perfect forward to, to you know, cut through defence. Um, and Shinora will really have to keep an eye on her. While we all know what the speed that Christine Cleary has, um, she's a fantastic player, really, really strong midfielder. And she, last year's captain for Shinora as well. So again, yeah, two players that you know, both sides will be delighted to have back. There was talks of Siobhan Flannery also having a hamstring injury, but she played all the game yesterday. So she must be good and fish again for, for the final next weekend. I often wonder as well, Amory, when it comes to the football, the change in positions that some of these players have because Siobhan Flannery was playing at fullback for the ladies footballers in their intermediate final. In all likelihood, she probably lines out somewhere further out the field. Again, similarly, you know, Linda Sullivan had been known at inter-county standard that she was a defender for so long and now she plays forwards for both the Camogie and ladies football team. Maybe they just enjoy in the different code getting to play at the far end. These girls are very, very talented girls. Um, they've been around a while and more than anything they would love a new challenge I know myself when I slotted back into the back line it was a brand new challenge and it was exciting to learn and to um, for coaches to teach me what things I need to improve on and what things to work on so I assume that they would be in the exact same boat um, Linda is fantastic we know the speed she has when she goes to attack a ball so that makes sense for her to be in the forwards attacking puckouts. Um, and like that Siobhan, she's just so clever. Um, she could actually play anywhere. And we've seen her play in so many positions over the years um, for Offaly and St. Rhinus. So yeah, I think they would they would just enjoy it. And probably maybe they enjoyed the change from one role to another between the teams. How did you find that adaptation? Because an issue when you were breaking through county standard, you would have played underage teams kind of in the half-back line, played a bit in midfield, then you were kind of moved to the forwards, particularly with your club. I think understandably maybe for your pace and attack. And then successive managers with the Offaly team changed you into a defender again, whether that was wing-back or corner-back. Are some of the learnings when you're playing corner-forward, are they applicable when you're corner-back that you know you're trying to stop what you would have previously been trying to do at corner-forward? Um, yes, in ways. Um, the first thing I learned when I became a back was you have to like triple your work rate. It's incredible. You know the way a forward can hit the ball over the ball or hit the ball over the bar and they can kind of, or miss it, sorry, even, and go fixate and roll their eyes up and look at the sky. As a back, you cannot do that because if you if she knows that your head is down, you're in trouble straight away. Uh, if you miss the ball, you cannot sit, feck and run off. You have to go back and get it. Um, it's the one that, that was notably the biggest learning for me was in the back line was you have to work three times harder than you would as a forward um, because when you're forward the ball is given perfectly to you but as a back you have to go and race out and make sure the person beside you doesn't get it no matter how clever they are or if they flick your hurl or push you out of the way or they're too large and can push you out of the way or um, trip you or whatever you have to get back up and get back so yeah like it was it was scary and um, panicky in front of the goals but um was like it was in the other end that I was so used to running towards the goals that I kind of had that comfort that I knew kind of the zones around the goals and where kind of a forward can pull off a shot and where they couldn't um but yeah a lot of learnings and work great like madness Look, it helps you to become a more complete player ultimately when it comes to all this. Uh, when we look at the final itself, I mean, you covered, I think, you, uh, tell me your story about how you got into one of the semi-finals because I saw you with a picture in Rath. Now, this is in the middle of the restrictions where people couldn't get in. You got roped in to try and scout that semi-final as an umpire, I believe. 
Yeah, I wanted to go as a spectator. Um, I had planned to sit on the hill in Rath and pulled out my phone and watched the Burr and St. Ryan as semi-final on my phone. Um, but as I was walking in, I got cornered by the club. And of course, when your club asks you to do something, you're going to do it for them. So they say, can you do umpire? And I said, OK. And uh, the first ball that came in, I nearly died. The first ball that came in, it was over my post and it was about three or four inches wide. And the other umpire, Declan, he was, you know, he'd, he'd know how to umpire. Um, and he was like, your call now, Annie. And I was like, oh, crap. And I was trying to watch it. <laughs> And try not to be hit by it, um, but went white. Um, so yeah, I ended up in the white coat. Um, but in John Cullen, there a lot of people laugh at my dad doing umpire. So um, I got a great slag, and after that, I'm turning into my dad. I can only imagine. Well, that meant you got a basically a front row view to see St. Killian's against Shinron in their second meeting. Are yeah. we getting to a point now, Ambry? You know, Killian's had this great underage run of success and a conveyor belt of players coming through. They pushed Shinron all the way in those semi-finals. Are Killian's getting close to making a breakthrough in the county now at uh, adult level? Yeah, I think so. Um, it's a very difficult task to be a young team and to keep everyone together after winning for so long to go up to a new grade and then start to lose. Um you know, and they have seen a couple of players fall off um, that were really good underage, that won that under-14 fela. Um, so, yeah, like, they really, really um, surprised me in their semi-final. I really didn't expect them to come out the way that they did. Um, and they really pushed and rolled to the pin of their collar. Um, but in their semi-final replay, they were a completely different team. Um, they didn't play as cleverly as they did. They didn't hold on to possession. They just hit the ball up. Um, leaving 50-50 ball for their forwards which suited Shinron perfectly because they had the pace to run onto the ball um, but yeah I think St Killian's is there thereabouts um, the Offaly Championship is so competitive every year um, and it's only because I think Rhinus have a li- that little bit of experience um, and they can think their way through games, they're clever in games and I think that's what edges them out in front otherwise I think it will be open for everyone does that mean St. Rhinus have the advantage going into next weekend? I mean, look, they've been Leinster finalists and Leinster winners over the last couple of years. And realistically, they're a swing of a hurley away from getting extra time in that All-Ireland final at Croke Park. It was a very cruel way to lose. But is that kind of experience that they have and the fact they've come through so many big occasions in the last few years, does that make them narrow favourites against Shinron then? Yeah, I think so. Like, Well, it's very hard to beat a team that's winning. No matter how much bonding you do or how much training you do or if you're the fittest team in the world, it's very, very hard to beat a team that has that winning character. Um, they know, St. Rhinus themselves, that when the game is in the closing stages, stages even, uh, what they need to do to turn on to finish out a game. Like Shinron were beating them the whole way through last year's final and Kay Kenny popped up and scored a goal and straight away um, St. Rhinus turned the whole game around with like five minutes to go. In the group stages this year again, Shinron apparently were winning the majority of the game um, and St. Rhinus scored a last minute goal to claim victory. So it's very, very hard to beat a team with that winning character, that winning experience. Um, If you can imagine, that team probably hasn't changed over 12 months. It has probably been the same 15 individuals, give or take. Like a club is so tight and so tight in its of the game. You can imagine Siobhan Flannery and Marie Daly taking a deep breath and going, "Okay, we can turn this around. Um, While it's much more difficult for a team who hasn't won in a couple of years to say, oh God, quickly, we have to try and get a score. That panic will set in while I... I think St. Rhinus will definitely be more comfortable when the stakes are high in the closing stages if they were behind to turn it around. 
Yeah, before I ask you for a prediction on the game, what's your feeling about the inter-county season coming back? Because there's been a bit of clarity over the last month or so, at least in terms of the fixtures and now the draft fixture plan about when they're going to be played. I know it's not quite the amount of games that you would have had if the championship had happened this summer, but that's just COVID, isn't it, Emery, that you've got to play a shortened championship now? Yeah, look, personally, I'm just delighted to be playing. I'm just so happy to be playing. Um, we went back training this week and I honestly, I was so excited going into training because we haven't really had anything to be excited about in the last couple of weeks. You know, you can't go to parties or you can't do anything, you can't really go on holidays. Um, and I was so happy going into training and seeing the girls, some girls I actually haven't seen since we broke in March. Um so personally, I'm really happy um, to get back training, really happy to be still exercising um, like training in this weather um, is fantastic in comparison to when we play in January and February for our league. It's, it's awful. I hate league weather. Um, while I think in Ireland, our climate is quite good in October and November. So I think we'll still have competitive fast games. Um, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm really happy. I just really hope that the cases don't increase that they might have to pull the plug on it um, and I think that's a fear in all inter-counties players minds is that we could be training for three weeks and they may not get to play a game but as you said that's COVID that's that's the way we have to live at the moment whether we train or don't train or whether we go training or if we do our own work ourselves we have to keep thinking forward and you know moving forward to hope that we'll get to play these games. Yeah, because I think genuinely the feelings, I was talking to Mairead T in the morning after the draw had been made on that, I think it was a Thursday evening, I spoke to her on the Friday morning, and I said, look, it's very tricky to be handed you know, two of the very top teams in the country at the top of your group. You would have loved to have been in one of the other groups as opposed to getting lumped in with favourites to win the competition. Mm -hmm. But that's just the nature of the draw, isn't it? I mean, all you can do is go out there and try and get as many wins as you possibly can. Yeah, like awfully haven't had a favourable draw in years when you look at it in the senior championship. We always get, um, well, the, the groups are seeded anyway, so you always get the finalists or the, um, the yeah, both of the finalists. Um, so that way, that's the way we fell with Galway. Um, but of course, Cork is another strong, strong team that we have to play. And then we have a bit of a relationship built up with Wexford having played them so many times last year between um, the relegation and then Leinster and then the All-Ireland Championship. Um, so yeah, like it would have been ideal to get some teams that were on our own level. Um, but look, nothing we can do. We want to be a senior team. We want to be playing the best. So we're not going to complain when we play Galway or Cork. Um, we're still going to try to take it in our stride. They're in the same boat as us. They haven't been able to train with club championship. So we're just going to take it in our stride. Um, and look, if... I actually think this year could cause a shock. I think someone, some inter-county team is going to be amazing because they would have kept, or they would have trained so much during lockdown while others haven't. Um, and I would expect that definitely in the men's game too. I think we're going to get a couple of shocks because of the timeframes we've had to train and prepare for these games. At the same time, I think uh, when I saw that group, uh, three-team group with Tip and Claire in it, you would have taken that group with both hands. I think if anyone was being totally honest about things. But anyway, it is what it is in terms of the draw, mm -hmm. and it's going to be intriguing to see how things go against Galway, Cork and Wexford. It is a very difficult group indeed. Amory, who are you expecting to come through next weekend? Oh, I've been thinking about this a lot myself, and a couple of people have been asking me um, of my thoughts as well. And I really think this year... If anyone, if it was ever Shinron's year to do it, it would be this year. And what I mean by that is um, they have all the capability to do it, but they just have to see it out. And that's one thing St. Rhinus 
and I've heard St. Rhinus management um, encourage players or encourage the team and shouting in from the line, see it out, see it out, finish out the game. But if Shinron can see out the game, I think they will be winners. But at the same time, I, I don't know. I think it's going to be really tight. Like whoever wins, it'll be a point or two. Um, I feel Shinron because I've seen them. I've seen them in the semi-final against St. Killian's. Um, I couldn't really see them in the the um, the other semi-final because obviously I was doing umpire. Um, but yeah, I part of me just feels Shinron for some reason this year. Nice. I'm going to get so much slagging now. <laughs> you, you are if you're wrong. If Shinron yeah. don't win, people will go back, listen to this podcast and say, well, Emery Guinan said Shinron were going to win. That's why I well hate the predictions because your logic could be correct. And like last yeah. year, Rhinus could get some late scores and could win the game. If you had said yeah. last year Shinron were going to win, you would have said for 57 minutes, I was correct. But unfortunately, yeah. Three minutes well, look, yeah, you, you know, life is like that. You can't always be right or wrong. So if I do, if I am wrong, I apologise. I just think it's going to be very, very tight. Um, and just, I don't know, I just have a sneaky feeling about Shinron this year. On a final note, Emery, when it comes to people watching, you know, you mentioned that your plan was to go on the hill and to have your phone in your hand to be able to watch the other semi-final and have one playing out in front of you. Uh, given that, again, we're down to a couple of hundred people who are going to be able to attend games, we're back to mm-hmm. streaming. I have seen probably more of teams than I would in a normal year because I've been able to watch highlight packages, goals, matches that are on maybe in a day where I wouldn't be able to get to a venue. It's one of the things that's been great. People can tune in this weekend and watch the streaming of the final. It's actually been a bit of a transformation, particularly for women's sport, I think, that so many games have been available that wouldn't have been previously available in a live format. Yeah, like myself, I'd be very familiar with the streaming setup. I did co-commentary for some of the All-Ireland Championship games and um, some of the provincial games for St. Marinus. So, um, yeah, like I completely agree. You know, the streaming service has always been there and it took a global pandemic for everyone to embrace it and take it on board, which is crazy when you think of it. Um, You know, because I've seen people just using their phones and using their Facebook page and streaming live. And there's absolutely no problem with that. Um, and I completely agree. Like that's exactly what we need in women in sport. We need everyone to see all of our games. And unfortunately, as we know, parents can't go, partners can't go to games. Um, they have to sit at home and watch. But it's magnificent now to see people from around the world being able to log on to Facebook or YouTube and watch a game. Connections really to the ladies football finals yesterday. I have friends that play on all the teams. But I still turned it on yesterday and I watched it because it was there on YouTube. And I think that's exactly what we need. We need to keep going down that route of um, live streaming, easy access, um, games, whatever it may be, interviews. Um, and hopefully then it'll grow the sport for us all because once it's there it's very easy to turn on but when it's not there that's when the doors are shut for the women in sport Well look if you can't get to the final this coming weekend tune in you get the chance to see Michaela Morkin Mairead Daly Linda Sullivan uh, Christine Cleary Marion Crean all these players have been big stars uh, for the Offaly County team in recent years and who've been you know, great players on their respective club teams you're going to get to see them go head to head in this final this weekend Amory thanks a million for joining us on the pod and uh, we're looking forward to a great Camogie final this coming weekend Alright so interesting weekend coming up with that Camogie final between Shinron and St. Rhinus Amory Guinan giving just the slightest of edges towards Shinron against the defending champions Rhinus when this weekend comes around also in the golf Joe most people listening to us if they get it early in the week we're looking forward to the Irish Open yeah. and Shane Lowry hopefully uh, going back and you know, winning his second Irish Open his form hasn't been too hot if we're to be deadly honest here mm. uh, US Open last week he said he enjoyed playing at winged foot finished inside the top 50 but was a good bit away from contention uh, didn't really contend at the PGA Championship either his season just hasn't really kick-started so far no and look he's He's obviously 
wasn't not so much happy with his game with the whole change in the clubs has been a kind of a bedding in period what he'll have in the bag for you know the Irish Open we'll have to wait and see is he going to stay with those irons and, and the new clubs or is he going to revert to all but I think he said it's been a long period away from home you know and Shane Lowry's a home bird and all he has is his life in America now when he's playing on the PGA Tour but I think listening to the interviews He's been keen to get home, you know, spend a bit of time with the extended family, uh, you know, Wendy's family as well, because obviously you're talking about, you know, Alicia and Offaly uh, relationship there, and they both, while they have, you know, their, their, their child over there with them, they don't have the extended family, and, you know, lockdown would have been hard, like Shane has to isolate going through all these tournaments, get tested, and it's a, it's a big rigmarole now. I think coming home... The Irish Open is something he always has the strongest of affinities with. You know, he'll he'll probably play into that at least in his sixties. You know, God willing for him, um, but he will be one of the live contenders for it. He comes into back in into Ireland in you know as you said not the hottest form, but it, he can his game can catch so easy when he's in contention. And I think you know playing in this Irish Open, he want a chance to shoot a good score early, just settle it in, be maybe four or five off the lead coming into Saturday. You know, try and get himself into contention because he's such a popular figure. Will he, when he gets a run of form, the crowd will be behind him. You know, he's he's so likable, and I know we haven't been able to play in front of crowds, but he'll still feed off the energy of of, of being back in Ireland. But definitely, it's a cause for concern when he's changing his gear. It's much like you know, Harrington was a devil for doing it throughout his year and overanalyzing the game according to the experts. I don't think Shane is going doing that yet, but I think. This break at home for his own mentality and his own confidence and his his own general demeanour, I think it'll be like a weight off his shoulders to get back because you know lockdown has been so hard for. It's a long time too. He was in America since kind of late February. Yeah, early six March. months. You're talking. Yeah, like while lockdown has been hard for us, we're still at home. We're able to see our close contacts. Um, I know we weren't at the start, but he's getting home now and like six months is a long time for him to be away from his mother and his father and his brother and you know his extended circle of friends and I know he won't be able to do all those things or go maybe meet them socialise with them all but I think just getting home to see his immediate family and, and able to isolate at home um, in the comfort of his own people will be a huge confidence thing because you know we all know Shane likes to come home uh, he's a big supporter of the GA he might try and take in a game while he's here and it's just it'll, it'll be a recharger for him I think this could kick start his season to an extent because there's a lot of golf going to be going on um, a lot of delayed tournaments I just think I wouldn't be ruling Shane out of I was talking next week about a victory because he can come with a wet sail from nowhere mm. like Shane is a, is a player that doesn't just rely on, on the form on a given week he can come with a challenge he can post a big score at any given stage and he has the mentality as we've seen to kick on and do it so I, I, without and I watch a lot of golf um, when there's competitive games on, or competitive outings on but I just think that getting home getting home tired and I think we'll see a strong strong showing from Shane this week because he definitely won't want to come home and miss a cut there and I think if he's anywhere within four or five shots heading to Saturday you could see him riveting up the leaderboard fairly quick Yeah I feel sorry for Mount Juliet because there was a ridiculously good field that was confirmed when it was going to be in Kilkenny pandemic hit not that long before that event was going to come around Rolex money is there Rory McIlroy was due to come back all the top Irish golfers are going to play it's great to see the Porter Carrington and Shane Larry have stayed loyal to the Irish Open even when it's gone north of the border and into Northern Ireland for this year but 
again, it's just it's a pity. One of the great parkland courses around the country, Mount Julie, it would have been great to see um, an Irish Open there, but not to be. And hopefully Shane Lowry will play quite well. Uh, that pretty much brings to an end our first podcast, Joe. Yeah. Um, the Brave and Faithful podcast is up and running. Uh, a lot of great guests that we've had this week. Uh, great to have Anton Sullivan, Johnny Maloney joining us after all the drama in the Gaelic football last weekend. Uh, Grony Egan, Murray Daly talking about the Camogie final. Amory Guinan previewing it. Uh, we also were lucky enough to have Amy Gavin Mangan not long after uh, the victory for Ned Kieran at the weekend talking about their ambitions to eventually contest All-Ireland senior level after being All-Ireland club intermediate champions last season. Uh, Brian Gavin got to send you off in O'Connor Park earlier when we were there. <laughs> not his first time. <laughs> no, but uh, great to have Brian on uh, to give his insight and particularly to talk about Pat Small we're probably going to be doing something similar uh, probably not quite as lengthy when I look down at my recorder yeah. and see how long this week has been uh, but hopefully we're kind of going to trim things probably to around an hour but but naturally enough given that the amount of games are on don't be totally surprised if next Tuesday's pod's a bit longer yeah and look uh, what I will say is to the supporters and we, you know we've got tremendous well wishes the last few days on social media and private messaging and stuff and what we we said at the outstart of the show you know give us your thoughts let us know what you want to hear it is a podcast is based on our listeners you know so we will have nostalgia pieces as we said before we'll have special guests we'll have interviews uh, from a range of different sports be it MMA golf wherever the story is we're going to take it on but again let us know what you think. We're going to try and change it because the games are on for the next few weeks and then we have airtime to fill. So we'll be coming with something different every week. What we will say is the format, as we spoke about, will always change. It won't be the very same uh, format week in, week out. We'll spice it up. Uh, we'll always adapt. And again, look, we thank you in advance for listening and all our guests that have given up their time. Um, we've built up a lot of contacts throughout the years between you and I and the guests we've had. And, you know, it is brave and faithful and I suppose we were faithful to those players as well and we like to build up a relationship with them and we thank them all and we thank you for listening yeah so it gives me to half use a monster motto in terms of our name for the podcast but we're here and the first one's out now at this point uh, in saying that uh, just as far as we go forward over the next while if you want to give us a dig out and a bit of a help along the way give us a follow on Twitter at FaithfulPod check us out on Facebook if you give us a like there if you could subscribe or review us on wherever you're getting your podcast from that will help an awful lot for this show to grow. Gives a chance to maybe get it out there. Uh, tell your friends, by all means. I haven't had a, a total love relationship with the ufolly.com uh, discussion board over the years. But go there, maybe post a link with the podcast. Have a chat about it. By all means, give out about us. Tell us what we're doing wrong. Uh, that probably gives us more energy than you saying we've been doing well. We'll be back next week, next Tuesday, when the next podcast drops. Check out our YouTube too, uh, where you can watch us in video form if you want to put yourself through that. Uh, from Joe, from myself, thanks a million for joining us and we'll speak to you again next week. You've been listening to the Brave and Faithful podcast. Will and Joe will be back with a fresh pod next Tuesday. To continue the conversation, we're on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram.